Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. This episode of Gabba Gabba Hunt is brought to you by Hobo Wolfman Records. Hobo Wolfman Records is the home to the fill-ins, who we talk about on this episode of the podcast, Home for the Day, and the Body Bags, as well as bands from other areas like the Poison Boys. In addition to being the record label this music can be found on, they also have a bunch of cool shit on their website. With Christmas coming up, maybe you'll find something there that you want to buy for someone you know. Records, action figures, t-shirts, all kinds of shit. Check them out at HoboWolfmanRecords.com. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Hey. Oh, that all it was? Yeah, that's what it was. There we go. All right. Try this now. There we go. <laughs> hey, man. There we go. Hey, man. Sorry about that. That's all right. All right. Are we rolling? Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's too much of a lag. We'll, we'll kind of figure that out. But um, if there is, we start talking no, over. there's no lag on my end either. I was going to say, if we, if we start talking over each other too much, we might have to stop and pause and everything. I don't know. I, I've had better luck with Skype, but sometimes I've had good luck with Zoom. Yeah, Zoom is weird when you're trying to like have a back and forth. Uh, I teach with uh, Zoom sometimes. I got a new job teaching uh, guitar lessons with students, and we'll do yeah. Zoom calls all the time. And I forget that it's hard to talk. You can't talk over people with it. But this is what we got. This is what we got. So yeah. I'm fine with it. All right. Every now and then it gets a little buggy. Hopefully that'll work itself out or whatever. I, I did one with John Bowman last week. You, you might have already listened to it. but I did this morning, yeah. That was like the best conversation and best connection I ever had. And John usually has problems with his connection. So <laughs> how you been doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm at, uh, I'm at home right now. I, uh, I drove, I didn't fly home like a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I just drove just straight across Tennessee to come, uh, say hi to the folks and do Thanksgiving. Yeah. My, my parents, I, I live, I live here with my parents. My, I stay like in a, an apartment above the garage here at my parents' house. So, uh, I had thank I had Thanksgiving with them yesterday. Nice. We didn't spend a whole lot of time together. Of course, I, I kind of keep my distance from them anyway because I could always potentially be exposed at work. And lately, it's been kind of dicey. So, so I've been extra careful. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Bowman was telling me about um, with uh, War Boys members having issues with uh, getting diagnosed with uh, COVID in their offices. So they haven't been able to get together to practice yeah. or record or anything. And he's got a lot of recording equipment over at. Uh, uh, over his guitar player's place. Yeah. So that's been a real bummer. We haven't practiced in like, I guess about three weeks now, but I think we're going to do it tomorrow. Um, I, I think we're going to wear like, we haven't. We, yeah. You haven't in a while. No, nah, we just, uh, that's not for, through any fault of like me, Mike or Alex is our drummer's been, uh, been one of like, uh, three staff members over at his office that stuck around, uh, after everybody got laid off or quit or something where he's working at. Yeah. We, we've kept doing it, um, but anytime like we've had a, a scare, Eric or me or any, you know, we've we've called it off. If anybody's ever not felt good, we've called it off. The, the practice room we're in is kind of small, so I think tomorrow we're actually going to start wearing masks while we're in there. 
just just to, as an added protection since people seem to be coming up with it a lot more often here lately yeah that's not that's never the worst idea i've done a couple of uh studio uh sessions where everybody's worn masks while we've been in small rooms anyway tracking and things like that too so i don't think it's the worst idea i think that's probably going to be how it's going to be going forward with a lot of things wearing masks yeah i feel like we're going to be living in uh japan or it's going to be like living in japan for the next couple years people just wearing around wear masks around like it's normal Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's going to be going on for for at least a little while probably about another year or so but, you know, whatever it takes to be able to get back to, like, normal or, or close to normal, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And that's why, I like, if I have to wear a mask at work, I'm going to wear a mask at work. If I have to wear a mask at band practice, I'm going to wear a mask at band practice. When we can get back out and play shows again, I, you better believe I'm going to wear a mask if I need to at that point because I want to be able to do the things I want to do. If there's ever a situation where I have to take a flight or have any form of public transportation ever again, even if there's a vaccine and there's no trace of COVID anywhere, I'm still wearing a mask just to keep people's germs and public transportation out of my out of my shit you know yeah that, that's one thing this is like made us all a little bit more aware of how much like our germs we spread every day without even realizing it and like now when i watch tv or watch a movie or something and people get up in each other's faces and they're like yelling at each other i'm like oh man <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i don't know that i'm always going to be that way but i'm probably always going to think about it a little bit more in the, in the future but you know I, I don't i don't expect to always wear a mask you know just hanging out with my buddies Everybody should keep hand sanitizers at their house going forward anyway. We're going to be so clean <laughs> going yeah. forward after this. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You, you and me, though, we, we both got the COVID hair going. And uh, yours is a lot better than mine. Yeah, dude. <laughs> My, mine doesn't grow <laughs> mine quite as well. Shaggier. When I was younger, mine grew a lot better. But now mine just doesn't grow quite as fast anymore. So it's, it's still, it's got, a long, it's got a long way to go. But I, I think I'm going to keep it going. <laughs> Oh, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely keeping mine. I found out I got my mama's hair, and uh, yeah. when she came, when I when I came home with it, she started freaking out and playing with it and things. <laughs> this long as I've ever grown it out, but I kind of started in that uh, awkward Conway Twitty kind of, you know, yeah. little mini fro for a minute. But I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling, uh, feeling this length, especially since I walk around, uh, you know, playing on stage uh, with uh, denim and leather. Anyway, I yeah. might as well lean into the bass player from Blue Oyster Cult look or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I had really long hair when I was in high school and then I got it cut off when I was a senior. And I mean, it was like about halfway down my back. It was long. And then I got cut off when I was a senior. And then I was I, about to ask. <laughs> yeah. I, I grew it out again, you know, a couple, uh, a couple of years later. And this kind of was like more of a Kurt Cobain look. It was all like straight and same length and everything. And then I cut it off and then I've, I've tried to grow it out several times since then. Uh, but I always get like almost to this point and I just like get tired of it. I'm like, I can't do anything with it. So I get it cut off. Now that I've made it to this point, though, and I COVID's my excuse, I really don't want to go to a barber shop. I don't want to have somebody in my face cutting my hair. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, I've made it this far, and I've used it as an excuse this far to, to look like crap. So, you know, a couple more months, it'll be where I can actually do something with it. <laughs> oh, man, you don't look like crap. It's one, if, if anything, you would get a lot more attention. Look, if, if, you, if you go out in public, you'll get more uh, heads turning anyway, yeah. for better or worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The past couple of days, I meant to go back and listen to the fill-ins episode, so I went, we wouldn't talk about a lot of the same stuff, but we can cover some of that stuff. Um, I got some questions here to ask you, and uh, you know, we, we definitely want to talk about the new single and what you're doing musically. Uh, but we can talk a little bit about your background For sure. and stuff like that, too. I don't really know where to start with this one, but I, I will go ahead and say um, I'm talking to uh, uh, Cap, or uh, James Capel Nunn, I, I believe is your name. <laughs> But yeah, most most people around Everybody here call you Cap. Cap. It's yeah. Cap Nun. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's what we're on with. <laughs> I got so many street names, aliases. I don't know where they came from, but I think part of that was just because uh, Cap's short for my middle name, which is Capel, and that's what my parents always called me when I was growing up. And for the longest time, it was just felt weird to me. And but and they didn't want to call me any variation of uh, the name James, not Jimmy. My grandfather's name was Jimmy. My dad's mm-hmm. name was Jim, but they didn't want to call me any uh, variation of that. So they just uh, stuck with Cap going forward. Of course, you know, having a name like that growing up in high school in the era of Dave Chappelle and Chappelle Show, it was Capel Show for the longest yeah. time, and then I got Cap Gun and all kinds of funny little nicknames and dumb shit like that, yeah. but <laughs> he just leaned into it after a while. Yeah, and like I said, I said before, you know, it's a, it's a cool nickname. I, I think it's cool, and it, it works. Right on. What's your uh, what's your street name, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked, me and John talked about this last week, so I don't really have one. It, it used to be Michael Oatmeal at one point. Um, that was my first. Really? Punk, that was my first <laughs> punk rock name, and then I was Mike Hell for a little while, and that was like my screen name on on everything. It's, it's still like that's how you find me on Facebook is Mike Hill. I probably shouldn't leave that in the podcast. I'll probably cut that part out, but <laughs> just because I don't want certain people <laughs> finding me that easily. Now you can find me anyway. Um, but it's it, it never really stuck. Like there's a few people that would call me that. There's still people that call me that, but it just didn't really stick, you know. And and, and after I got out of music for a while. And, and the, the reason behind it was um, I had a band at the time called Hell Camino. I think we've talked about this a little bit, but uh, I had a band at the time called Hell Camino. Yeah, and I just, just kind of stuck. We didn't all take that name, but at that time I was like, well, that works. And, it, and it's kind of like, if you say Mike Hell fast, it's almost like saying Michael, um, you know? So I was like, I kind of <laughs> went with, with from that angle too, but there's a few people that still call me that, but you know, I'm just, I'm just Mike these days, you know, or Mick. Some people call me Mick because of my Facebook name a while back but i do get called uh michael I like that t-shirt oh thanks man <laughs> uh, i get called uh, uh michael huskins or, or michael van huskins sometimes these days that's that's about the, as close as i get to the street <laughs> name yeah the the hobo wolfman record shirt which one's van <laughs> the hobo wolfman record shirt yeah so you you guys are, are you you're still gonna put something else out on hobo wolfman correct the fill-ins <laughs> A knockout breaking hearts every day She gives me a wink and a smile And I'll come out and play She teases the boys now Every day at school But they know they just can't have her They're all played a fool Just use your passion and I'll lose my mind One look in her eyes She's one of a kind And uh, I'm having a hobo wolfman uh, help uh, pump the, the new single I'm releasing uh, by the time this comes out okay, uh, through, cool. through all the media resources we've accumulated over the past year or so, too. And uh, any uh, online publication reviewers, uh, Hobo Wolfman's going to help out with, uh, with that when we're ready to pump out the single. Heck yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like Danny. He's doing good, good things over there. And uh, I hope to do some stuff with him in the future, too. So we've already talked about being on the... Uh, Much love to Danny, man. Talking about being on the uh, the next comp, for sure. Hell yeah. We've been talking about that a little bit. I think I'm not sure when he's going to put out the next comp, but uh, it's going to be stacked for sure. Yeah, we were going to try to record a new song for it, but it's just hard to get into the studio right now. 
I feel you, man. That's uh, this is uh, kind of jumping ahead here, but uh, the Fillings are looking for a, a studio to, uh, or actually, there's a lot of moving, uh, a lot of things up in the air as far as studio time for the Fillings. Uh, we've got a few tracks uh, ready to record here. Uh, studios are just booked up through January, or uh, the folks that we want to record with uh, have other things going on, mm-hmm. whether it's COVID related or not, and it's just been a huge pain in the ass right now. <laughs> trying to get a studio locked down for it but yeah i know we talked to brandon and he's booked up through the end of the year probably booked up further than that now but um we we were supposed to try to get back to him about something in january but I, eric never really gave me an answer so i got to get on to him about that right on <laughs> i haven't been by brandon's place yet i want to at some point yeah he's real good to work with um I, I have a feeling you'll work with him sometime in the near future especially if you keep doing studio work which is what i guess maybe we could go ahead and start talking about that a little bit might as well honestly i'm gonna go ahead and say it right now uh, this episode might be a little bit kind of just all over the place because we have talked before because you've told me your story before and anybody that wants to hear that can go back and listen. Exactly. To they can listen to episode five. Um, so we might talk a little bit more like friends this time rather than being an interview. But uh, we definitely the, one of the reasons we're talking today is because you've got something new coming out. And also, it's not just something new, but you're also doing or you've got yourself out there to do a lot of studio work. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you had a new song come out today that you played on our friend John Bowman or prehistoric John, you played on that song. So let's just talk a little bit about what you're doing these days. Well, I've just been, uh, for the past few years, I was kind of a session guy over at uh, fifth man studios where, uh, Steve Coleman was running shop recording bands like us and, uh, queen city rejects yeah. deadlock and, uh, Wilma before they became Wilma. I cut uh bass demos for them as they were trying to figure out, uh, their sound. And, uh, yeah. actually I uh, got to know, uh, Matthew and, uh, DJ, Funny thing about that band is uh, both of those guys have been uh, drummers in uh, a couple of bands I've played in over the past couple of years. And, you know, just through networking with uh, different musicians that would uh, come in and out of the studio, mm-hmm. uh, tracking things like that, I got to uh, take advantage of some opportunities working with uh, different singers and different musicians and got to try out different styles of music as well. And yeah. that kind of expanded my palate and kind of gave me the bug to, you know, get my name out there as a uh, session guy in Charlotte. Yeah playing uh, guitar and bass and stuff like that. I think the first record I worked on that was outside of, you know, punk rock, rock and roll, and things like that, was a uh, country record I did with a singer in a town named Kelsey Ryan. And yeah, that was, like, yeah. the first record we did that we that got the full-on production treatment with guitar layers and violins and keyboards and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that was the most fun thing to me. And now I've got the bug to not only do session work, but to be a get into full-on uh, music production as well. Tearing down the highway, Jack tossed in the front seat. The world was set against him and brought him to his knees. So filled with rage and whiskey and turned his whites to red. He sped down the road toward her, heart hardened into lead. You play guitar, you you play bass. You're you're, you're excellent at both of them, and so <laughs> Thank you're, you. you're you would be good to play on either one of those. I mean, you know, either one of those instruments. And uh, John Bowman said he worked with you. Said you're excellent to work with. So I think anybody out there looking for somebody to play on anything could definitely hit you up and see what you're doing. Yeah, and that's kind of what I've been doing the past few months. One thing about uh 
2020 and uh, the never-ending headache that's been COVID is that since we can't play shows, people are wanting to make this year count somehow, and uh, I wanted to do that by uh, working with as many uh, singers and uh, musicians around town and in the uh, territory as possible. Uh, I've gotten some work in Atlanta uh, this fall, too. I got to work uh, with a couple of guys uh, in some Atlanta bands called the Dirt Preachers. They were wanting to make their... uh, they were putting together a country EP and I went down there to record some guitar parts for them and uh, help produce it a little bit. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun and wrote a couple of uh, power pop tunes and uh, worked with a producer uh, named Tuck Smith, who I'm a big fan of, who used mm-hmm. to play in a couple of groups named uh, Biters and Heart Attacks. I know yeah. I'm like jumping all over the place <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about my fall, but. Uh, I got to, I got to uh, you know, get outside of my comfort zone with a lot of different styles of music this fall, and uh, whether it's been guitar, songwriting, and bass playing, and uh, a little bit of keyboard playing and percussion here and there, and uh, including John Bowman's project with uh, the Demi Urge that came out today, uh, doing the per- uh, percussion into that was a whole lot of fun. Oh yeah, people forget about the little things like that. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually thinking about that earlier today. That not only do you do guitar and bass, but now you're a percussionist because you played uh, shaker and tambourine, so for all your shaker and tambourine needs as well. I always throw those little ideas like that against the wall for uh, songs like that, especially if uh, it feels like they call for it. Because I'll hear songs on the radio sometimes that sound like they're 90% done. Do you ever have that feeling? Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, it's just missing this one little thing, and if it just has this one little thing, then this song would be perfect, whether it's a tambourine or a shaker. And then I think about songs that I hear on a regular basis that have those things and uh, wonder if you take them out, what would uh, the dynamic would be without those things, whether it's like a popular radio song or that you've heard a zillion times or whatever. Yeah. Like taking the cowbell out of Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? That's a great example. <laughs> now it's a whole different song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you've worked, have you worked with anybody else here in Charlotte besides Kelsey? And, um, well, I mean, you said you've you worked at some of Fifth, Fifth Man Studios, but have you picked up any anything here recently? Any studio gigs? There's a, a couple of singers that I've gotten to know over the past, uh, past fall, um, that needed my help with some guitar parts. There's this uh, one guy's name is uh, Reed Ferguson. He's a uh, country rock singer songwriter uh, storyteller. Yeah, all of his songs are at least four minutes long. <laughs> He's like a Bruce Springsteen style like storyteller oh, yeah. uh, storyteller songwriter. He had me come down and record a couple of guitar parts for some songs that he's about to release, and uh, he's got one more that he's recording right now that I'm gonna filling parts for here before too long and he's great i've played a few sets with him and he's a great singer you should tell, totally check out his uh, stuff on spotify as well and i've also worked with uh, an up-and-coming singer named annie hayden uh, she dropped a new single uh i want to say a couple weeks ago okay and uh, you can find you can find all this stuff on spotify as well so just some singers uh here around town um on top of uh guys like Bowman that are putting you know little uh, studio projects together yeah. and I need an extra help with it whether it's uh, Tankified or solo stuff and of course Alex and I are always tinkering around with ideas here and there and uh, getting demos on our little Zoom recorder at home and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, you guys have still been busy writing music too. I, I think during this time. Absolutely. We actually just got a keyboard at the house last week. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is just uh, 
I think Alex is having more fun with it than me right now. He's uh, coming up with all kinds of little synth lines with it. Yeah. I got one Cause recently. Because he's, he's really into... Uh, oh, you got one too? Yeah, I, I picked one up at a, a thrift store for like 15 bucks a Yamaha. It's it's nice too. Oh, wow. So I, I, that's the next thing I want to do, but I just haven't had time to mess with it. That's just one of those things where if you uh, spend five minutes with it, it'll turn into like 30 minutes, 45 yeah. minutes when you play around with the different tones. It has like one of those built-in drum kits on it too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's got it's got the drum. You can play it with the keys, but I've I've also got I do have a MIDI controller as well, um, and I've played around with it a good bit, but just not. I still haven't really gotten comfortable with it yet. Or you know, I, I've written a couple of little things I, I think I might work with in the future. That's one of those we'll probably uh, implement little parts with it over our guitar riffs with we write and things like that i've been trying to talk eric into doing some like a key uh, putting some keys on a van huskins song sometime like you know it's a stooges type key you know keyboard uh n- nothing like real fancy or anything just just that one note the ding 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 just ding, a little ding, like, yeah. like a ding 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 yeah. ding 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 uh-huh. exactly yeah that's always fun yeah. <laughs> uh, so it may happen one of these days we'll see i want to do some solo stuff too like just i've got some ideas i want to record so i'll be working with that sometime in the near future what kind of stuff uh if you're writing for, uh, say, uh, if you're writing stuff that would be like Van Huskins reject songs, what uh, what do those sound? What, or what would those sound like? Um, Easy for me to say. I really don't know. Uh, the, the stuff that I would write that I, I wouldn't use for Van Huskins is just I, I want to do some more like experimental stuff, and I, I want to do like a project where I do some of my old like songs I wrote when I was a teenager and re-record them as well. Um, but if I was trying to write a song that was like a Van Huskins reject song. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably try to do my worst Jack White impression, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, nah, I don't know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Eric does. Eric does come in with some Jack White sounding stuff sometimes, but it, it it turns into something else by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, that's that's what makes a great band. Just a lot of uh fuzzy guitar tones. Uh, <laughs> yeah. From on a cheap piece of shit guitars and things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I got the bug to start writing full. Uh, uh, pop songs uh, in my downtime in between uh, since we can't play shows I've been uh, got the bug to write more uh, songs like that with like hooks and melodies I'm a sucker for melodies and harmonies and things like that too so I tried to figure out the art of that too yeah and uh, that's kind of the reason why I chose to work with the guy I worked with uh, to on this uh, single I'm releasing because I know his, uh, a lot of the stuff that he's worked on kind of has that same kind of vibe yeah. a lot of hooks a lot of layers a lot of get- a lot of guitar parts too, so the guitar nerd in me loved every minute of uh, putting all that together too. Yeah, and I, I love that kind of stuff too. Like I'm a I'm a huge Cheap Trick fan. I love Badfinger. I love ELO. I love I just like I like like pop pop rock, you know, but good stuff. Power, power exactly. pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop rock, power pop. I'm a sucker for all that. I listened to a lot of Elvis Costello yeah. this fall, and uh, when I was putting all, these two songs together, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love him too. A lot of Elvis Costello, a lot of like um, uh, pre-acid Beatles, yeah, <laughs> garage yeah. rock, uh, single era kind of things too. Yeah, I became a, a lot more of a Beatles fan in the past couple of years. I used to like, in that whole the argument who who you like better, the Rolling Stones or the Beatles. I was always a Stones guy. Same here. Past couple of years, I think it's flip flopped. I'm more of a Beatles guy now. Same here, man. Like when I was 18, 19 years old, I fell into the rabbit hole of keeping my uh, guitars and open G tuning the way Keith Richards did, and I. If you do that, you can figure out literally every Rolling Stone song ever. Yeah. <laughs> if you figure out like the two or three phrasings that Keith Richards does, you're good. Yeah. 
the more I got into uh, studio work and guitar layers and vocal layers and things like that, too, that's when I really started to appreciate the genius and the brilliance of the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Especially for that time period, too. People still have trouble, you know, trying to have, like, trying to do, like, a version of that. Oh, yeah. So that's the kind of, that's sort of the kind of stuff that inspired you to do the, the song that you're releasing. And are you going to release this under your name, or do you have a, a, a name for the project? I'm just going to call it Cap Nun, and uh, if I put a band together, and if there are offers for, like, shows and things like that, I might call it Cap Nun and the something else. Yeah. Although, I already have two bands that I can play these songs with, too, so I might not even need that. Alex and I have talked about, about playing one of these songs in the fill-ins, and... Uh, also have super jet if i feel like uh, playing these songs with a different band or something like that too so yeah i have the uh, fortunate problem i'm having a couple of bands at my disposal to play uh songs i've written with yeah. <laughs> if it comes down to it and, and you you went down to it to atlanta to record this right and, and talk a little bit more about the who, who you recorded it with um i worked with this guy named tuck smith he fronted one of my all-time favorite bands uh called the fighters yeah those that don't know they were kind of a classic rock sounding band from atlanta that toured on a consistent basis for about eight years until they got into some uh some problems with their record label but i won't speak for the guy on as far as how all that went down but the biters kind of sounded like a cross between t-rex and thin lizzy and mm. 70s kiss which hello yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, they're good up my, and- up my alley completely and uh they were getting uh, sort of getting a little bit big there for a little while and then it just kind of ended. Yeah, that was some uh, that was some record label yeah. issues, you know, all that goes. Yeah. The lead singer of that group, Tuck Smith, has got a solo project that he uh, was supposed to tour with uh, this year, but, you know. So, but in passing from playing shows with, uh, you know, some of his uh, former bandmates, you know, all his bandmates were in various other bands, too, so uh, we would always cross paths, you know, uh, in Atlanta or uh, West Virginia or uh, the Carolinas, wherever... Uh, they would let bands of our ilk play. Um, I got to, uh, you know, get a little FaceTime uh, with uh, the various members of the band. And uh, with Tuck, he was always, you know, producing records from bands that we were playing shows with, like uh, Fast Eddie and Wildlife and uh, Gunpowder Gray and things like that, too. Bands yeah. that we would play uh, shows with uh, while we were uh, doing weekend runs. And they were consistently good-sounding singles and records. And, um uh, I always wanted to work with uh, somebody that made rock records like that. Mm-hmm. And again, I got that bug uh, from uh, working on the Kelsey record, of all things, making a country record, layers yeah. and things like that. And we did that with uh, the latest uh, fill-ins release, but we kind of wanted to take it to uh, the next level. And this was uh, kind of my uh, excuse to kind of take uh, stuff I was writing to the next level as well uh, with production. And it was also a, uh, I wanted to treat it like a, uh, a boot camp experience because... We were just in and out. Everything had to keep moving. We were on the clock. Yeah. It was just me, uh, Tuck, the engineer, Dan Dixon, who's also in a really good band called Please Please, and uh, the Biter's drummer, uh, Joey, okay. uh, plays plays drums on the tracks, too. And uh, so it was kind of that, uh, you know, a good uh, experience to work with some pros Yeah, that make this kind of rock music. 
Now you said Tuck was supposed to be touring this year. Was it? He's supposed to be opening up for some of those uh, Guns and Roses dates, or uh, not? Not Guns. Motley Crue. Motley Crue dates. It was Motley Crue. Yeah. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and I want to say Joan Jett. Yeah. But you know, same thing happened to all of us, COVID yeah. and all that. <laughs> but I think uh, Live Nation is supposed to have that tour uh, up and running. Like that's the one tour that Live Nation. That's the one that they're uh, banking on really, really yeah. hard next year. That t- that tour of all tours. Yeah. I know it's definitely rescheduled. It's rescheduled, and of course, we'll see what happens, but I'm really banking on the idea of the vaccine distribution in December, like they're talking about, but we'll see what happens. It's like I'm always ever hopeful, uh, but I never trust that anybody actually knows what they're talking about when uh, stuff like this is brought up in the news either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, and uh, the vaccine being out will, will be helpful, but I think the thing that'll help most is if people really get on board with wearing a mask, and then maybe we can go out and see some concerts next year. I'd love to do that. Wearing a mask, I, I'll go, I'll do that. I don't care, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, really, I want to see the bands. I don't want to talk to anybody anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always have to, even when we were playing shows, I always have to do the uh, the Irish goodbye at the at whenever I'd uh, we'd have to play at the milestone because if you try to say goodbye to everybody at the milestone, then you're stuck there for an hour because mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to you don't leave anybody out. And uh, I would always uh, you know send uh, Facebook messages or text uh, to the folks uh, that I really wanted to say goodbye to. It's like, hey, I didn't mean to you know this year, but uh, I really wanted to get home and it's two o'clock in the morning, so <laughs> thanks yeah. for coming out. <laughs> Uh, me, me and Eric will even do that to each other. Like, I won't even tell Eric I'm leaving. I'll just go out the door and I'll get in the car, send him a text real quick. Hey, man, I'm going. <laughs> yeah. It's easier when you play music together and it's just more uh, understood like that. <laughs> it's like, I'll just see the next practice. It's all good. <laughs> Sometimes, like, you know, because you know if you walk over to say goodbye to, even if I just go to say goodbye to Eric, I'm going to run into somebody else that I'm going to have to talk to. So that's just like, I'm just going out the back door. <laughs> yep. I do look forward to the next, the first show back at the milestone. I'll stay till closing. I won't have any shame in that whatsoever. I'll make sure <laughs> I say goodbye to everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't wait till we can do that again because I think it'll be a lot of fun. And like, like you said, at the end of the night, I'm gonna be saying goodbye to everybody and hugging everybody. Well, if we can at, at this point, you know, when I finally can, everybody's gonna get a hug. <laughs> I've been doing the chicken wing with the elbows. Yeah, we do that. I do that with a lot of people. I saw one of my buddies the other night, and he, it took him a while to get on board with the whole COVID thing. But he finally just he, he stuck his elbow out when we went to leave. I went to go give him the fist bump, and he stuck his elbow. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we did a show in July with uh, an outdoor show with Kelsey, and that was like my first show post, well, in the I say post COVID, but you know, this whole year has been like in the middle of COVID, but uh, yeah. it was the first show post lockdown. It was outside. Everybody was, you know, distancing and all that. And, uh, it didn't really hit anybody that it was like our first show post lockdown until after we, uh, unplugged and put everything back up and everybody was just like, fucking hey, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Great to see everybody. Everybody's just, you know, that whole like a wave of, um, that depression just got lifted from everybody going, especially from being stuck at home and not playing music in front of anybody or with anybody. Really, everybody was just happy to play with each other yeah. again. That was the thing that probably got everybody uh, more fired up than anything. Yeah. I know when we played the the thing at the Milestone and did that live stream, yeah, that was kind of early in it, in into COVID. I think that was in either late May, I think, um, or <laughs> so, something like that. Anyway, sometime in May. Um, but even then it was like, and the only audience we had was a couple of people that were like Buck, a couple other people at the milestone and then, you know, the other bands, but man, it just felt so good. 
And now I, I, I miss it. <laughs> I miss it so bad. But I'm still quite not quite there myself. Yeah, I think it's going to be a while for uh, anybody to, you know, kind of get back in it. Even when the vaccine is there and doors start reopening again, it's going to the, the vibe of everything is going to be way different. I don't know what the reaction is going to be. Yeah. Can we even do mosh pits going forward? Is that going to be a dead thing? <laughs> well, apparently. I was never a pit guy. So some people are still doing them these days, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's going to go away. I feel like those are like the, the folks that are putting on shows for like big crowds now are like the bro country singers and things like that that just don't care whatsoever. And they're not, they're just like uh, bro hugging each other. And I guess that counts as a mosh pit <laughs> in 2020 <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> well, I, I saw one of my friends, uh, she posted some stuff about going to some metal show down in Georgia this a couple of weekends ago. And then the next week she had COVID. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and you were just in my, talking about being in mosh pits this weekend? Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> that, that's, why, that's why I'm not there yet, because I just know it's right around the corner, and it, my luck would be that I go out decide, I'll, hey, I'm going to go see a show, and that's where I'm going to get COVID from. And I'll be like, really? Is that worth losing my – or uh, not necessarily me. I mean, I, I could maybe die from it, too, but I wouldn't want to pass it along to anybody else. No, and that's uh, – they've already put out a uh... – I guess that happens more in the Midwest more than anything with like metal shows and uh, biker shows with like hard rock bands playing. Yeah, there's there's still some people out there that just don't give a damn. I mean, for the same time with uh, professional musicians, I understand they got to make a living and everything too. But you got to set some fucking rules too. Like I've done a few outdoor shows uh, with various singers uh, in the last couple of months too, but nobody's done anything dumb or gone crazy or anything like that. Yeah. If I'm uh, in between sets or anything like that, I'm not talking with anybody. I'm not conversing with anybody. And these are all like outside Charlie places like Hickory and uh, these little outdoor brewery shows with uh, doing the cover sets and things like that. Yeah. And folks aren't reacting to those kind of shows hardly enough anyway. You're just background music. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You and Alex played, played one at Skyline when you're out, outdoors as, as the fellas. Give me a PBR and a shot of whiskey too. That was that was that pretty good? Was there a decent turnout? Because I and whenever I see something like that, I'm always like, "Oh man, I want to go," and then I just I just really can't quite bring myself to do it just yet. Skylark was worth it, man, and I feel like the folks at Skylark are doing it right. Just having folks just outdoors and uh, having a decent PA set up, and you got your t- table spread out, and everybody's wearing your mask. I think you. If you're setting it up like that, I think it's pretty easy to go out and enjoy yourself as long as you're wearing your goddamn mask yeah, yeah. and not getting up in people's faces for it. I think it's really easy to be smart about it if you're out to try to enjoy yourself. Yeah, and that's that's what I would do. if I if It's just for me, like, I, I don't know. I, even tomorrow, I kind of like to go to Tommy's. They're doing, a, a like, a maker's market, and they've got some people out playing acoustic music. And I was, I was planning on going when they were going to do it a couple of weeks ago, but they postponed it. And then after my scare last week, uh, I th- I think I'm just staying at home, and part part of that is just because it just makes me worry about me spreading it to other people. Even if I'm wearing my mask, I just feel like uh, it's not the uh, responsible thing to do at the moment. I feel you. I feel like I've uh, I've heard, if I'm not playing out 
or anything like that. I've just been staying at home too, man. I wonder if that's just part of, you know, the COVID, um, just uh, kind of, you know, isolating me, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, involuntarily also because it's easy to get comfortable at home too, especially if you have, uh, you know, video game systems and all these streaming services that are just cashing in on everybody staying at home and I'm getting uh, placating to, <laughs> to me and my tastes and, sh- and things like that too. <laughs> yeah. I don't really do a whole lot of that. Like I'll turn the TV on as background noise sometime, but. I mostly spend time working on the podcast and then I just dick around and don't do anything. Like sometimes I just don't do anything. I'm, I'm lazy. I really should be using my time to do other things. It's been forcing me to try to like stay home and uh, really work on my guitar and bass playing Mm -hmm. a little bit. I've been uh, reaching into the well and uh, trying to relearn things that I haven't played since I was a teenager. I feel like I've reverted back to my 15, 16 year old self. uh, (laughs) Learning Van Halen and Kiss and ACDC songs. I'm uh, trying to, you know, uh, approaching those songs again 15, 16 years later after not touching them for uh, so long, only playing uh, bass and uh, country music yeah. <laughs> here in Charlotte. <laughs> but I've been I've been listening to a lot of music, playing a lot of records. Um, I've also been going back through a lot of our, my old stuff, my old band stuff. Just And that's what's kind of inspired me to, to do some recording projects involving that stuff. But like even last night, I was watching our very first show on video. And I was going, damn, we were actually pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing that's fun about this time. You get to, uh, you know, kind of like reflect a little and uh, see how far you've come as a musician or mm-hmm. as a performer or an artist and uh, just kind of take stock and uh, what's working and what's what can be improved and things like that. And, I mean, as much as this year has sucked, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise as far as uh, – leaving time enough to reflect on what I need to move forward with. Yeah. I said kind of at the very beginning of this, that I felt like we could all slow down a little bit. And I think that by doing so, like you said, we kind of reflect on what we've done and where we are and where we want to go. And and honestly, during this time, it's really made me realize what I want to do with my life. And, you know, it's going to take a little bit longer now for everything to work its way out, but it's given me time to work on those things that I need to do to get there. And now that we're several months, you know, into this and several months have, you know, gone by where we're building on our skill sets a little more, uh, for me, it's given me more confidence to uh, move forward with uh, all my creative outlets. And I'm expecting, like, all the bands in Charlotte to be coming out next year whenever we can finally play shows with, like, the best new material out there. You know, everybody's got totally. to have, like, 12, even if, they, even if they're not practicing yet. There's a lot of bands that still aren't getting together. Once they get together... All those bands should have like like twelve pent up songs just ready to like put out there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like Phillins have three songs. I've got two. And there's no excuse for any other bands. <laughs> Man, you know what I want really really bad I, that I think we can do uh, like right now tomorrow if we had the resources. I want to find an outdoor spot where bands like us can get together, play, maybe not a set, but invite some friends some friends out to where we can perform for us to perform in front of and keep our chops up. Yeah. Kind of like what the, uh, comedians are doing right now. A lot of, uh, comedians are getting together and performing like outdoor concerts in front of their comedian friends and, you know, keeping their chops up. Mm-hmm. I want to do that with my band. I want to have like a bill or some kind of card where like have you guys or, uh, any other uh, bands around Charlotte that are still like writing to uh, get together and uh, have a few friends over and maybe like a barbecue or a cookout or something like that in a space big enough to where we can do something like that. Yeah. I, I thought about that a while back. That that's one thing I really wish is that I lived, I wish I lived out in the country 
without any neighbors around and with plenty of land where I could like just clear off some land, like uh, build a little stage or a little platform or whatever and, and have people over to play outdoor shows. <laughs> the spot I'm at right now where my parents live would be ideal for it, but y'all don't want to come all the way the fuck out to bumfuck <laughs> Brownsville, Tennessee. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, of- I might come out there just so I can go visit Nutbush. <laughs> man, you, there ain't nothing in Nutbush. It's the, uh, <laughs> Courthouse, uh, townhouse, outhouse uh, phrase that's in that Tina Turner song. That, yeah. it's, uh, lit- that's literally it. I used to go uh, raise cows uh, with my dad every weekend in Nutbush, Tennessee, when I was growing up. <laughs> I am that much of a hick. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Nah, but everybody I know in Charlotte that plays music lives in, that lives in the neighborhood. I know a guy that wants to do something in his neighborhood with like live music and stuff like that, but he's in a neighborhood. It ain't going to fly. so that's what i want to do and that's all i got to say about that i really want to well i mean we 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 put that out there put that idea out there there might be somebody out there that goes hey i've got i've got the perfect spot for it yeah seriously (laughs) anybody that's listening if you got some uh area out in the country for some uh loud ass rock and roll bands to play get us out there i want to get my chops up and perform again and it's not like we're a bunch of kids. We're all pretty respectable people, so you know we're not going to exactly. We're not going to trash your place. I uh, know we're not a bunch of hooligans or anything. We've all got our uh, what's. I'll tell you what sucked, man. We, you know how Alex and I like to fucking like deck out with uh, you know all our uh, clothes and yeah. you know logos and shit like that. We got all kinds of like custom made stuff ready to do. Uh, you know these shows to put out the record and things like that. And now they're just sitting in the closet. You know, just kind of. You know, they look cool, but, you know, if you worry about that, just walking on the street, you just look like an asshole. So. Well, I, I noticed <laughs> I noticed lately, I, I guess Alex has been itching to wear his stuff a little bit. So he's posted a couple of pictures of him and his stuff. And I, I get that, you know, you, you got this stuff that you can't just sit in the closet. <laughs> I know it. So we're dudes, are, we're dudes of rock bands. We got to strut our stuff, you know? <laughs> So let's talk a little bit more, a little bit about the fill-ins, um, and we can get back. We'll, we'll talk, you know, end up talking about the single again, at, you know, towards the end. Okay. You guys had a record that came out earlier this year, and worst timing ever. For, well, for for everybody, because we had a, we had an EP that we put out back in April as well. Um, it happened right, right when right. when COVID hit, and you can't play shows to promote it or anything. Have you guys been able to, to sell some of those records, though? I mean, has, have people been buying them? I mean, you know, I'm sure not as many as you'd like to have sold. but No, not as many as we'd like to. But uh, Hobo Wolfman, Danny has done a re- really good work as far as getting the word out for the record. And uh, Hobo Wolfman's been selling a lot of copies. And uh, this team that we've built has been really good for us right now. Granted, we've still got plenty to sell on the road when we're ready to start touring again. Yeah, and you will. Also... While, while we're uh, on the subject, mm. uh, the records are at HoboWolfmanRecords.com or the com slash store. We still got copies of them if you want to buy them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a damn good record. I, I love it. And uh, every record is is unique because it's it's uh, random colored vinyl. It's, it's a very, yes, it really, is. Really, really damn good record. Uh, but I kind of wondered about that. I mean, the good thing is, like like you said, you, you can still sell them when you go on the road. No, they will sell when you do play, start playing shows because um, people exactly. will buy them. Uh, but it, it, it kind of sucks to have, I mean, like even our EP, we sold, it was on cassette, but it sold pretty well for it to be on cassette. And I know that once we play shows, we'll be able to sell the rest of them. I'll tell you what, man, I thought I poo-pooed the idea of cassettes for the longest time when it was kind of first becoming a thing, but there's some really cool cassette packages that are coming out. You guys have a really cool one, body, the body bags. Yeah. 
uh, Endless Ravenous cassette package is really cool. Yeah, I had to get that one too. I, I already know. Have, I, I'm starting to. I already had the CD, but I had to get the cassette too. <laughs> uh huh. I'm starting to. I'm starting to. It's starting to grow on me a little bit. I'm. I was like, we have a cassette too for uh, the No Love Lost EP yeah. that we put out uh, last year, and I really and I really like how that turned out too. So now I can tell people that I'm on a vinyl, cassette, and CD. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, yeah. And the cool thing is, is like, cassette, you can sell it for five bucks. Everybody that comes to a show and wants to buy something, even if they can't listen to the cassette, you're going to give them a download code so they can download it. But that's something easy for people to buy. Five dollars, mm-hmm. you can have a five dollar CD and a five dollar cassette. Probably more people are going to buy the cassette, you know, just that aren't going to listen to it. <laughs> just, just for the, 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 because it's kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the novelty of the thing. It's kind of like the novelty. It's like yeah. a novelty item. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a market for it, man. And, uh, I, there's this one band, uh, called the Whiffs out of the, uh, Southwest that has, that have a, uh, a little pink cassette. And they're kind of power poppy too. And I was, mm-hmm. that's another uh, good example of some like fresh, fresh, uh, pop rock kind of stuff that's out there that folks should check out. Yeah. And they have like a solid pink, you know, uh, it's super like glam, rocky, power poppy, and uh, I, I couldn't resist it. I had to get a copy. Yeah. <laughs> I have the vinyl too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, like my nephew, he's he's uh, I'm trying to remember how he's 15 now, but he's started collecting cassettes, and I've I've still got a bunch of cassettes from when I was younger, and I've finally got a really good cassette deck. And honestly, those cassettes sound really damn good. Those old uh, hip hop uh, releases sound really good on cassette because I guess that was like the the main market for them uh, for the longest time. That- yeah. Within the late 80s, early 90s, like Alex has a uh, copy of uh, Paul's Boutique from uh, Beastie Boys. When he puts that on, it just fucking bumps. Yeah. Those cassettes, I mean, at one point, cassettes really did sound good. The bad the bad thing about cassettes is most people didn't have a good cassette player. Like, you'd have a right. cheap stereo with a cheap cassette or, you know, a cheap jam box or whatever. But if you had, like, a real mm-hmm. good cassette deck, you know, a Yamaha or a Nakamichi or a Sony or something like that, that they really do, especially the cassettes made in like the late eighties, early nineties. Those those mm-hmm. cassettes sounded really damn good. I need to start up on my collection again. We had uh, the the cassettes we had when I was growing up were uh, you know my dad, my mom and dad's cassettes. It was like the Eagles and James Taylors and things mm-hmm. like that, Neil Diamonds and things like that. Your mom and dad music, which I love now, yeah. but as a teenager, you just kind of frown upon because I was into my devil music as a teenager. You know. <laughs> Well, when I, when I was a kid, I, I had a, like, I got into music really big and, and I bought cassettes all the time when I was a kid, like at the flea market and they didn't have to be, I bought bootleg cassettes at the flea market all the time. But then I got to do like the, the Columbia house music club where you get like 12 of them for a penny. And I do that. And, and I got so many cassettes when I was a kid. And then it was records when I got to be a teenager. I had a, I think I still got my CD booklet around here somewhere that was like this this thick <laughs> it's like a giant book ended like a cd uh book actually you know what i think uh, my phone is sitting on top of uh i got a couple of books sitting right here uh and i'm talking to you that i placed my phone on top of and uh yep here right here is my cd booklet full of uh my old uh early 2000s uh releases <laughs> that i probably uh, won't talk about that's because some because some of them I'm more ashamed of than others <laughs> because of the times. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I-, I know. Everybody my age had a Godsmack CD. Don't y'all be lying. <laughs> I may or may not have had three of them because it was the times. <laughs> well, I know I-, I liked a lot of crappy music when I was a kid. And a lot of, a lot of it I still listen to. Well, it was- That's not the crappy stuff. There's- the crappy stuff kind of fell to the wayside. But um, 
Yeah, we all we yeah. all we all listen to some bad stuff at one point or another. Um, I've listened to some I've listened to some bad stuff as as recently as I was looking through a box of CDs that I had last night, and, and I, I was I was like, why the hell do I have this? And then I remembered I think my ex wife told her sister that I liked it. I've got a damn Kid Rock CD. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, everybody had a Kid Rock CD at that time, too. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about uh, bands we liked when we were teenagers. Uh, I liked Tool a lot when I was a teenager. I don't listen to Tool a whole lot now, and yeah. uh, Tool's one of those. Godsmack's one of those. The Doors, I know they're an older band, but The Doors was one of those bands that I loved as a teenager that as I got older and kind of like got past the whole mystique of The Doors with the movie and all that, it was just like, yeah, The Doors are, you know, they're pretty good, but they're not one of the greatest of all time. Like, they were, you know always projected as yeah you know what i mean yeah well the doors that's one of those bands that i think everybody or a lot of guys that get into music really gravitate towards in, in high school and stuff and i did too i love the doors i love jim morrison it was like one of my favorite bands ever um and then i kind of got to that point to where i, I was absolutely like a little bit older i'm like you know they're really not that great of a band i don't like them that much I fucking love the Doors again, man. <laughs> it's it's weird that they're. I think they're an excellent band. I think the people that give them shit don't give them enough credit for the good things that they did. They, they're hokey at times, but uh, they were excellent musicians. And, and Jim Morrison, for for what it's worth, I mean, he was a a great poet, if if a little pretentious. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Everybody, if, the thing that always like got me was like the. Uh... Uh, the lofty uh, rock god, you know, conversations about Jim Morrison, where if you actually read about his life and stuff like that, the dude was just a drunken slob half yeah. the time. <laughs> but made made great music. I mean, I mean, I can not talk about it like I'm sh- I talk about it like I'm shitting on him, but uh, they still made some great songs. And Robbie Krieger's still, you know, he's one of the guys that kind of uh, that I uh, gravitated towards as a guitar player when I was starting off. Yeah, I can't play that flamenco, uh, you know right-handed uh finger style thing that he does which still blows my mind but it appeal it definitely does appeal to teenage boys still to this day somehow yeah somehow. as opposed to <laughs> i don't know i guess jim morrison just said when you're when you're young and you're going through a lot of things he he, he says these things that don't make sense but kind of sound like kind of kind of cool <laughs> <laughs> oh lizard king yeah i want to be the lizard king <laughs> The scream of the butterfly. I don't know what it means, but it sounds cool. <laughs> Maybe I should try acid to find out what it means. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a lot of bands like that. I think that people get into, and I think that that you know some people are, still haven't come back around to those bands. But I, like I don't know that you'll ever come back around to Godsmack. But you'll probably at some point come back around to the Doors and, and like go through a phase where you like listen to the Doors for like a month straight. Uh, one of the singers that I play with, uh, he listens to a lot of Grateful Dead, and I used to hate the Grateful Dead. Me too. But now, but, but now, but now there's like you know three or four songs that I listen to that are like not their live twenty minute opus jams that are you know good songs like uh, Casey Jones and shit like that. That's a good song. Yeah, I'm the same way. I used to hate them. That was like the band that I could not stand. And of course, being in, like being a punk rocker, you've got to hate the Grateful Dead. Exactly. But you know what? hippies and all that shit. (laughs) But you know what? Grateful Dead were a pretty damn good band. (laughs) Yeah, but you can't. Yeah, it's one of those deals where it's like, well, bet you can't play guitar like that. (laughs) And they wrote some good songs. They also wrote some really terrible songs or something that I can't listen to. I can't say terrible. (laughs) This is not my style. But um, I do like them a lot more than I used to. And it's just kind of one of those deals where it's. um, I'd rather listen to them than watch live footage of them because if there's like live footage, you. 15 minutes into a Grateful Dead set, you're halfway through the first jam. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. exhausting. 
my uncle let me borrow a, a box set that he had one time and, and I checked it out and I found like the albums I liked but like each one of each one of the CDs had you know extra stuff on it it was always live tracks I, I never made it to the live tracks you know after the first one I'm like oh yeah no no done with that <laughs> let's just listen to the studio stuff Did you ever uh, have the friends that really got into uh, widespread panic, or um, what was the, or some of the other ones, uh, government mules of the world? Uh, uh, not, not really. Or um, fish? Any of those? Yeah. Any of those bands? <laughs> not, not really. Um, I had a few friends that you know like the Grateful Dead, and they probably liked those bands too, but not, not too much. I was, I worked at a college radio station when I was going to, when I was going to school in uh, Knoxville. And that was like the peak era of like the widespread panic hippie bro scene. <laughs> yeah. And I got, and from uh, working there, you got free passes to go to these shows every now and then. And uh, I got uh, passes to go uh, see the uh, widespread panic open up for the Almond Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I love the Almond Brothers. So I was just like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go see the Almond Brothers. And widespread, I didn't know much about widespread panic other than they were a jam band. And jam band wasn't like a hateful term for me at the time. Until I hung out with the widespread panic audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hippie bros, just like, it's like one of the, it's kind of like the Grateful Dead audience where it's, they don't like, they don't just really, really like wide, widespread panic or Grateful Dead. They fucking love yeah, widespread yeah. <laughs> panic and Grateful Dead and all that to where it's just like, it's almost like Slayer fandom intense. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the Almond Brothers one time, and and I'm so glad I did. They were really good. But luckily, Jason and the Scorchers were the opening band for that one. What? Yeah, was, Jason was, and the Scorchers yeah. opened up for the Almond Brothers. Yeah, that was pretty badass. So I, I I really enjoyed that. That's the main reason I went. I was like, well, because I like the Almond Brothers, but I was like, Jason and the Scorchers are opening up. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. How long ago was this? This was um, I'm thinking either late '90s. It had to be like late '90s, I think. And it was at the Pavilion. It was Blockbuster okay. at the time, I guess, whatever it's called now, PNC or whatever, um, over near the college. Gotcha. Uh, they got a guy that was playing with them for the rest of their career that plays in Government Mule. I brought up Government Mule in that widespread panic, you mm-hmm. know, blanket or whatever. Yeah. But Warren Haynes is one of my all-time favorite guitar players. And I'd seen Government Mule play once before, and I could just I don't care if he is playing a 20-minute song. I could watch that dude play guitar all day long. Yeah. He's the kind of guitar player that knows when to not play at the same time. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a special skill. Some guitar players don't don't have. I don't know if they, they don't have the skill or they don't have the means or they don't have the uh, the willpower to not play. Sometimes. <laughs> Cut to a uh, buddy of mine uh, wanting uh, taking me to go see Ingve uh, Malmsteen 
a few years later, and that's just all. That's just all you see is just you know just shreds central. Just no, it's just the the classical you know uh, you know feel and vibe and all that. And I get it, but I can't take you know forty five minutes of nothing but that. It's cool for the first you know ten minutes, but it just exhausts me after a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I tried to get into him as a teenager, and it just didn't quite grab me. But my one of my buddies, his brother, loved Ingve. He even had a his his a personalized license plate said Ingve. Wow! <laughs> but uh, he he still to this day absolutely absolutely loves him. And I'm like, you know, I can listen to about five minutes of him, and then I'm like, that's enough. <laughs> I definitely had that phase where I was um, learning, trying, wanting to learn how to you know shred like that. Mm-hmm. And but my guys were uh, Joe Satriani yeah. and. Uh, Eddie Van Halen and uh, to an extent uh, Steve Vai, but yeah. then I got one of those uh, G3 DVDs that uh, that were huge in the early 2000s for like guitar nerds like me when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and it was just all instrumental electric guitar, uh, electric guitar playing sets. Uh, and Joe Satriani was the more he was one of the guys that knew when not to play. It was very melodic, yeah. and uh, you're you catch yourself singing his melodies and stuff like that, and that's the guy who I wanted to emulate. But then by the time you get through uh, the second half of Steve I set and the beginning of Ingve uh, Malmsteen set, you're just done with the electric guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to listen to those guys, too. When I was a teenager, I think I made the mistake. When I decided I wanted to learn how to play guitar, I started like – I loved Eddie Van Halen already, but I started digging into Joe Satriani and Steve Vai, and I was listening to these guys. And then when I actually got a guitar – it's like, I can't play like, I can't play like that. I'm never going to be a guitar player. <laughs> and I put it away. So it actually kind of hindered me a little bit. And I can't really listen to Joe Satriani and, and Steve Vai. These I can listen to Steve Vai play with, you know, David Lee Roth. But I'm, I'm not going to listen to Steve Dude, Vai's solo album. <laughs> people forget how fantastic the playing on those two albums are with uh, Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan on bass. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Oh. That's a dude. That's I don't care if like Billy Sheehan is the Ingve Malmsteen of bass players. That just that never gets old for me watching that dude shred on the bass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a badass for sure. But that's kind of what got me into like uh, blues players. Also, I'll watch somebody like Steve I, you know, play a million miles a minute, and then I'll watch somebody like BB King play three notes and mm-hmm. sound way cooler than <laughs> anything Ingve uh, Malmsteen did. And when, and that that was kind of one of those aha moments where I went, huh. All right, so all I need is I need three notes to a really good tone, and I'm good. And that's how I got down the blues rabbit hole with like a BB King and a lot of blues rockers from the '70s, like ZZ Top and things like that. Yeah, well, I think at a certain point you start to realize that you know, uh, and you probably know people like this that you can have all the talent in the world, you can be able to play whatever you want to on guitar easily. But that doesn't necessarily translate into being able to write a, a good song or, or write something that has feeling exactly. to it. Exactly. And, and I know some people that, that are excellent musicians, but when you get, stick them in a room with a band, they don't really know what to do. But if they're sitting there playing their guitar, mm-hmm. they, they're going to, they're going to like just amaze you. Well, holy shit. But you put them with the band and it's like not the sparks just don't happen. So I think exactly. you, you learn that like that's what uh, things like punk rock teach you is that, you know, you don't have to play a million notes to be a great musician. You just got to know how to write a song. Exactly. And that's and coming back to with the, the stuff that I've recorded and I'm about to release. So that was kind of the, the challenge for me is like, can I write a good song? Mm-hmm. Can I put a melody around this? And can I uh, 
make something, you know, simple enough and catchy enough and hooky enough to where, you know, I don't need a whole lot of bell, bells and whistles. So now and I uh, took a lot of cues from. Uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. I mean, I was I basically made my point. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask sort of like a little bit of a follow up on that. Like, the, so the, the solo stuff, the song that you're releasing, just one song. But do you have another one sort of that you're already working on that you might use for a solo project or? I recorded two and I probably re- uh, released the second one uh, in January. Oh, okay, so you got two and. and- mm-hmm. I think the uh, business model for uh, folks uh, going forward, uh, you know, post-COVID, I think we're smack dab in the middle of the streaming era, and I think it, we're coming up on it. We're in a singles era. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of bands that I know personally that have released music this year that just kind of spread their uh, singles out uh, quarterly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're going to do with these uh, next villains uh, recordings. We'll still make physical copies and things like that, but yeah, and that's what I've talked about with with Eric and and Ben. You know, we've got like I said, we've got five new songs that I want to go record, and we might we might just record two at a time because it'd be easier for us to release them one at a time if we do it that way instead of recording all five of them and then have to hold on to four of them for however long. But um, you know, and it's funny because when I talked to Brandon on he was one of my earliest episodes or earliest uh, podcasts, um. He said that was what he brought up at the very beginning of this year. He said, "You know, what do you think about releasing singles as a, as opposed to releasing like full albums?" I, you know, I hadn't really thought about it until then, but ever since then, like all year long, that's the way it's been. Everybody talks about. I, th- I think it's the singles time. I think it's time to release singles, and, and I see bands getting good response from that because they don't release it all at once, and then everybody's like, "Oh, cool, listen to this," and it's like a week later, it's everything's died down. Now they release one, exactly. and then. Yeah. A week later or two weeks later, they released the next song. I think it's a good strategy, but like, like you said, if we do it, we still want to release it as a physical release at some point as well. The physical is what you uh, sell at your shows, yeah, more or less. For the band, like, uh, like, like say the Philins, we're going to sell way more copies of uh, going out and playing shows mm-hmm. and uh, find, and putting on a show, and then like you know, it's the souvenir. Yeah. It's the uh, it's kind of like uh, having t-shirts and things like that it's your uh here's your the soundtrack to your really fun friday night that we provided for you but it does seem like you can sell t-shirts easier than you can music these days even records i mean i don't know i haven't tried to sell records but i think still more you're probably more likely to sell more t-shirts than you are any kind of physical media these days i've been saying lately we're not in the music business anymore we're in the t-shirt business (laughs) yeah it's unfortunate because I'm, I'm a collector and I've got, we talked about cassettes. I've got a huge CD collection. I've got an even bigger record collection. Um, so I'm a collector and I'm going to buy a CD or a record from a band when I see them or, or a cassette. I wish more people would, but everybody's just like, well, I can listen to it on Spotify. Why do I need to buy it? And that's the thing. I'm always hoping to put out physicals on a piece of vinyl because I'm just a music nerd like that. That's what I collect. I'm happy to, I'm happy that I was able to, put something on vinyl and and have a really cool package with it sure it cost me a lot of money that i'm not going to make back <laughs> but it was totally worth it yeah we get that test pressing you put it on you put a needle that's playing something you record you go you know what totally worth it i ain't mad about it <laughs> yeah i do eventually want to release like a full-length record even if it's like maybe we could re-release the the thing that we did with john bowman maybe one day we could put it on vinyl um, but I think I definitely want to do seven inches just because that's like a very important medium to me. It was when I ignited my love of, of music and punk rock, I dove into seven inches. And, and now I, I collect like 
vintage 45s. I mean, I like country music and oldies and stuff. I, so I just, I love that. Format. Oh, dude. So I, I definitely want to start doing seven inches with Van Huskins in the future. You brought up uh, T-shirts earlier. On top of vinyl and things like that, if that's the merch table, I'll buy vinyl. But if there's a really good-looking T-shirt, i got to have it. Like my closet uh, back home is all T-shirts that I got at merch tables. Yep. And, uh, and uh, towards the summer, I'm sitting there going like, well, I don't have any new T-shirts. What's uh? <laughs> this is a real bummer. I have uh, no uh, new wardrobe additions <laughs> except for like, you know, custom shit from, uh, you know, Hobo, the Hobo Wolfman t-shirt you got, or uh, my uh, Something Good Network t-shirt, yeah. and things like that. <laughs> yeah, as I say, I, I got this one. I've got a Sunday boxing shirt, because um, when they put out their, they, they, they did the singles thing as well. But then after it was all over and said and done, they put it all as an EP online. So they packaged it. But when they did the EP, they also did like a digital EP t-shirt bundle. I was like, well, fuck, I'm buying that. <laughs> I need a t-shirt. I hadn't bought one in a while, so... I got that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I, I've saved a lot of money on t-shirts this year for sure. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> <laughs> I saved them. That's another thing too. I said about uh, COVID and not going out and do, uh, and playing shows is that I saved a lot of money on a lot of things this year. <laughs> well, I, I think that, and then I start realizing that all that money I saved doing this, I've started spending more money over here. Like I'm eating better now. And I, I just, you know, when before I was like I can't I can't buy that meal because I got to go to the show this weekend and buy that T-shirt. <laughs> now it's like oh yeah taco truck. <laughs> talk about the podcast a little bit because you guys you and alex do a podcast we do several podcasts we do so many podcasts (laughs) (laughs) so so many that 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 my favorite one something good for you hadn't come out in a few weeks (laughs) but i I know that that you kind of you're it's 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 hard to do these days and i i know because me just trying to schedule these things sometimes and make the time to do it via skype which honestly i i much prefer to do them in person because doing them via skype or, or Zoom, you you can tell there's problems with it. Um, but so talk a little bit more about what, what you guys have been doing with that. Well, something good for you. Well, we launched our uh, a whole network, uh, the Something Good Network. We have a Patreon attached to it where we've done not only uh, early access to Something Good for You episodes whenever we have time uh, or have a chance to record uh, in-person interviews with folks in bands or in and around town. We've also uh, done all kinds of uh, theme shows or like specialty shows. Like, uh, we have a friend of ours named Chris Morrison who just comes over and just hangs out, will cook out, play some video games, watch a movie, and then record a podcast about movies we like Yeah, called Couch Potatoes. We have a show that Alex and I do, that's music thing called You Gotta Hear This, where we just uh, play a record that we really like, and we just kind of, you know, talk over it, you know, as the music's playing and talk about our experience with it. Uh, we just had an episode just come, that just came out over a, you know, Kiss record, rock and roll over. Yeah. I know, Kiss, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've done like three Kiss themed episodes of that so far. 
And we also have a true crime uh, theme show, also with Chris from Couch Potatoes, called That Murder Show. Yeah. <laughs> because behavior, the behavioral science of, uh, you know, true crime, serial killers, things like that is interesting to us and we have a fucked up sense of humor so <laughs> yeah. and that's also it's real popular right now too so that's always a good kind of thing to maybe hit your wagon too and go well let's see what how this goes my mom bought me a copy of helter skelter and sent it to me for my birthday oh wow <laughs> and she is like the sweetest church-going christian woman ever <laughs> for some reason my mom and i will i'll talk with my mom about that era of you know the late 60s for some reason the, the decade of the 60s just fascinates me just culturally yeah from a sociology perspective it just fascinates me particularly with that era of uh you know the manson family and how it culturally impacted you know the end of the decade with the hippie movement and all that and uh so she sent me a copy of that for my birthday on top of this other book i'm reading by a journalist who uh interviewed uh vincent bugliosi and through his conversations he found out a wormhole that links manson to mk ultra somehow (laughs) so that's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not rotting my brain or anything reading that <laughs> reading that mess by any means. <laughs> but just stuff like that, where like Chris that comes over to does like house potatoes and all that. We'll get into conspiracy talks and stuff like that because it that can be kooky and fun. Yeah. You know, I want to do a podcast uh, with them where we talk about that kind of thing. I think that would be a whole lot of fun and just have our you know dumb chuckleheaded takes on them. <laughs> I, I thought about doing like a, a different podcast, but man, I just don't have have enough time to. It's it's hard to find time to to do this one some weeks. I feel you. I had to make time for a lot of these things. Like I wound up uh, leaving my place of work a few months ago, like right around September. I quit my job to kind of mm-hmm. you know focus on the studio thing, and uh, now I'm teaching guitar lessons to uh, kids in Charlotte. Yeah, wound up getting a job through that, so uh, getting my. Uh, keeping my fundamental chops up and uh, now having to relearn uh, all the little basics of theory and things like that. That's been a fun little challenge. Yeah, and I actually had that written down that you weren't working right now. Not You didn't have a traditional job anymore. You'd quit your job to kind of pursue career in music. So that's you're doing, the, 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 I guess the lessons help supplement everything else, the, doing that. Pretty much that and um, still getting, uh, well, it's probably going to be real slow in December, especially with uh, COVID cases spiking the way they are, even for a, uh, outdoor shows and things like that i'm the king of part-time work right now and there's another and there's another outlet that i'm uh taking advantage of to su- help have a uh, supplemental income uh, when all, all those things are kind of you know figuring themselves out as the industry figures out how to not be up in the air so much as we try to figure out as uh i'm like all over the place right now i've had a couple of beers in me yeah <laughs> but no I've, I've been up doing a lot of freelance work i'm the king of freelance work right now yeah I see, and that's what I, this year's taught me is that I kind of want to have a career in music somehow, one way or another. I've got a daughter, and I've got too much debt to quit my job. But uh, you know, I, 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 I want to take you know, if if I can't do it playing music, maybe I can do something in radio, or maybe I can do something with the podcast to take it kind of to the next level, or you know, find a job in that that field. But somehow or another, I want to work in the the industry, and I just decided I, I it, it, I've got to be able to do it right. It's it's everybody says you can do anything you want to do. So I've got to be able to do that. That's kind of where I'm at too, man. And uh, man, I tell you, my first love was radio. I can't remember if we talked about that on uh, the first uh, episode we did. Yeah, we did talk about it a little bit because I, I did some some radio as well when I was younger. Uh, I don't know. We we talked about it a little bit, but I don't know how much. I, like I said, I wish I'd have went back and listened to that episode so I could have brushed up on exactly what we did talk about. But yeah, you you did college radio for a while. Yeah, 
All I know is I miss having two hours to play I wanted to play. That's the thing I miss about it the most. You know, we do a Something Good For You episode. We you only get to play, like, one song at the end of every episode. And uh, that's why Alex kind of gave me the, uh, made the, you got to hear this, you know, you know, quote unquote, my show because I do the intros and outros for that. But that's, yeah. uh, you know, it's the music show. That's my bread and butter. It's, you know, sharing music with folks uh, over the, over a, a radio platform for rock music doesn't get heard by a lot of folks. Whether it's uh, you know a deep cut classic rock record or a new uh, record from a rock and roll band that I think is cool that I think people should hear. I love having a platform that does that. Yeah, well, that's why I like. I was doing, and I, I'm going to do some more radio episodes of the podcast in the future. Um, as a matter of fact. This honestly will probably be my last one that I'm going to do for the year, the interview episode. Um, just today, I decided, why don't I take December off? <laughs> I can throw some radio episodes out there, and, uh-huh. and I can kind of start planning my, my next episodes. I can start you know, lining up some interviews and everything, and, and kind of give myself a little bit of a break for December. But um, I, I just, and that's one thing when I was doing the live things on Saturday nights with the, with on Facebook. I love that, except for the fact that Facebook made it a pain in the ass to do it. Um, but you know, I just, I, I'm a huge fan of radio and that's what I wanted to do when I was in, in high school. I did the thing where I went to, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't in college doing it. I was going to college for college for radio, but, um, at a college in Spindale, we did a volunteer thing where we were on overnight and I had so much fun doing that because we could play whatever we wanted to. It was basically the freedom to do what we wanted to do. And I was sitting in class learning that I wasn't gonna be able to do that. I was like, well, screw this. I'm not doing this and, and gave it up. And now I'm like, man, I kind of wish I was in radio. <laughs> so I, I might work, I might work towards that. Man, the fun radio was the free radio where you could play whatever you want. And now it's all driven by ad sales. Mm. And if you want trying to make a, if you want to be a career radio guy, and that just bummed me out with my uh, professional radio experience, especially because there's no market, there's no radio market for like music work seriously into you know underground music you can get a few uh, chances through like Sirius XM and things like that but yeah. nothing on terrestrial radio by any means yeah that's what I was going to say is actually my, my one of my goals is and, and I, I kind of put it on the back burner for a little bit but I might think about working on this in this in December is I want to try to figure out how I can audition for uh, Little Stevens Underground and have a radio oh, show over there so uh, I, I mean it might not pay but it would be cool to do man we're in we're in rock and roll. We ain't gonna get paid for nothing. It's just gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they've got did, like everybody that hosts on there. A lot of those people play in bands and stuff. So you know, the, um, like the singer for the Dolly Rots, she's got a show on there. Uh, yep. why, why can't the, why can't the bass player for Van Huskins have a show on Little Stevens Underground? Hell yeah! Wow, Dolly Rots. What a, I got into them actually this year. That that's another thing about 2020 is like I got to uh, check out some bands that I've been like uh, meaning to check out for years, years and years, and have been like putting off because I didn't have time to you know really dive into them. But yeah. now I've got like now I've gotten into so much new music and so much music that I missed, and have been learning a lot from that. And you now the Dolly Rots are great. I love that's another example of a good you know I guess a little bit more pop punk than anything, yeah. but you know a band full of hooks. Yep. Yep. And I'm a sucker for that kind of thing, as you heard on the shit that I'm releasing. Uh, Automatic Love, check it out on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to release it on on Bandcamp or anything, or just you just put it on Spotify? It's going to come out on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube. I went through uh, CD Baby for for the uh, basic just distribution, so you'll okay. get it on the uh, all the major platforms. So you're you're just looking to lose money on this and not trying to make anything off of it. <laughs> 
shit. I already lost money. I already, <laughs> already lost money on it with the studio time, brother. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll laugh, and then I'm thinking, but you know, even if you put it on Bandcamp, you might make five bucks off of it. <laughs> That's not paying for your studio time. <laughs> oh my lord! Uh, there's this really messed up meme that I saw the other day where it's like uh, Homer Simpson uh, sitting in the in the classroom with the kids, and and they all turn around and uh, they all say, "Bart, say it, say it, Bart," and uh, Bart just says, "My song." It's like, my songs are on Bandcamp this weekend. They're waiving fees, and then uh, the camera pulls up. Everybody's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we still try that like every every month. And like this past month, I actually put together like a, a package deal where it was like all of our the, the entire catalog for six dollars and sixty cents. Like I think two people bought it, <laughs> and one, one person that bought it has already bought like all our other everything else we put out. But he actually paid us six dollars and sixty six cents for it because you know you can pay whatever you want to. <laughs> exactly. No, it's always worth you know like uh, getting it out as much as possible. And Bandcamp's great for, has been great for doing that this mm. year. Like more all power to him for doing it. I just wish people paid attention to things like that more because I can't think of anything. Uh, you, when people ask where they where they can find your music. What do you normally tell them? What does everybody say? Spotify. Spotify, yeah. Or that's the one thing they ask you about. Say, are you on Spotify? Are you on such and such? Nobody asks about Bandcamp. Yeah. Well, I will say this about Bandcamp. And I love I, I love that the platform's out there because it's a good way to distribute music. And for people that want to pay for it, it's a good way to do it. But if you do want to pay for it, they have an app. And in that app, it'll everything you pay for, you can listen to through the app. And some of that that's stuff, true. some of that stuff is not on Spotify. And so I've got an app that has this filled up with like mostly local bands, you know, cause that's, that's what I do. I, I support my friends through Bandcamp, you know, even if I've already bought their CD or, or, you know, even if they've given it to me, they send me the, the MP3s. I'm like, I'm going to buy it on Bandcamp anyway. At some point, maybe not today, but like in a month or something, I'm going to be like, Oh shit, I need to buy that John Bowman song. Um, you know, cause I want to support my <laughs> friends. And also because then if I want to just turn the app on and listen to the music, it's all right there. There's a, my favorite, actually my favorite release that uh, came out this year, um, Year of the Snake from uh, a band called Wildlife out of New York. They uh, did their pre-orders through Bandcamp, and that was a really good system. That was like the, that was the first thing I bought before the pandemic, and that was the last thing I got in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> But I like the uh, pre-order system they had. I really like that uh, the way that system worked. And uh, again, it wound up being my favorite release of the year. Yeah, and then, it's weird having to talk. The uh, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I know. I keep forgetting about the Zoom uh, back and forth <laughs> stuff. It feels weird having these conversations about all of our favorite releases of the year, and we didn't get to go see any of these bands, or they didn't get to go out and tour or anything like that. But there's been a lot of great music that came out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, wildlife was one. Um, this is a weird uh, example of somewhere that came out this year that I really liked. Uh, Green Day yeah. uh, came out with a new release under a new identity called The Network oh, yeah. and released four, and released four um, new wave sounding songs. <laughs> yeah. They put out an album in 2004 that flew under the radar and I didn't know it existed until yeah. they started pumping out this new stuff this year. Yeah. That camp was really busy this year. Billy Joe Armstrong had... Uh, Oh yeah, he a did bunch a bunch of singles. solo songs that came out this year. Yeah, those mm-hmm. cover, cover singer, songs. Singles were, of uh, good shit. Like you I can't... enjoyed the hell out of those. He did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're talking he did, over uh, each other. That but... thing you do. Yeah, I know. He did that thing you do. He did a uh, Steve Bader's cover. He did uh, a bunch of other. He did a bunch of other songs that um, 
did a Johnny Thunders cover. Yeah. He did a, a Manic Monday. I enjoyed the hell out of those. Kudos to Green Day for and that and Billy Joe Armstrong that entire camp for like keeping me and everybody that enjoy their music entertained this and throughout this crappy fucking year. <laughs> I've I've always been a fan of of those guys and, and Billy Joe. I mean, I, I just think that in general the whole band, even when they put out albums that weren't that great, they're still listenable albums. They're still good albums. They're still good music. Um, you know, some of it gets to be a little bit form- formulaic at times, but like when they write a good song it's a damn good song they're lucky enough and talented enough to have the outlets that they have to put out you know different types of music to when they for when they don't feel like being green day yeah. either like they came out with that uh foxborough hot tops album mm-hmm. probably 10 years ago at this point now and that was more like 60s garage rock kind of deal yeah if you've uh if you haven't checked that out and then of course the the green day album that came out this year wasn't really that much of a green day album it was like they sort of went in a little bit of a different direction. So they they they're, they're at that point where they can do that though and it's like, you know, we're going to do what we want to do, which is what I respect about a band anyway. Even if I don't like what they're doing, if they're doing what they want to do and and not doing what they feel like they have to do, I fucking respect the hell out of that. And they're one of the few bands that's uh providing platforms for new bands like they're keeping their ear to the ground and checking out new things and, you know, uh, showing love to new bands, too. They'll have that uh, Oakland Coffee playlist on Spotify that showcases uh, bands that we play shows with, like Ravagers or Wildlife or Biters mm-hmm. and things like that. And there's not a whole lot of bands that are doing that, really, that are uh, that famous. Yeah. Uh, they, they catch a lot of shit, and I understand why, but, you know, they, they don't deserve it. Nah, and they don't care either. <laughs> Yeah, they don't care. They've got enough money. They don't care. <laughs> hey, this is Rick Randall, and I'm here to tell you it's time to save the rock with the Thorns. Yeah! I don't think we need to talk about anything more about the podcast. I think we kind of covered that. When, when is there going to be another episode of something good for you soon, or have you you guys like have one planned out? Uh, I want to. We haven't talked about a Christmas episode yet, but I'm sure we'll do one. Yeah. And like you were saying uh, earlier about you know uh, doing the podcast with in person, that's kind of the vibe of something good for you. Like yeah. we've done remote episodes with uh, other guys and bands from as far away as Chicago or uh, Baltimore and things like that. Uh, guys that we've uh, done shows with. I think the whole vibe of the show really is to get in the room and get in the mic and you know just bullshit for an hour and uh, and it's kind of like what you were talking about, like say this conversation or like all these remote conversations, like all the little interference uh, with the. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, talking over each other uh, kind of uh, limits the conversation. So, so, even though I've having, I'm having a ball right now. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a different dynamic. And that's uh, that's how I look at it. I always have a good time when I do these, but and they're easier to edit because I can work with each, you know, your volume of mine like totally separately. Um, I if I need to cut me out, there's not going to be a bleed over into your microphone, so they're easier to edit for me. But it's just not as much fun as like being in the same room and the flow is not as natural. And th- again, like the talking over each other, that always kind of is, it, it always makes it a little bit more difficult. So I, I get that. I, I totally get yeah. that. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I really, I wanted to start trying to do it in person again. And I did a few of them in person, but I, I think I'm at the point now to where like, 
that's another reason why I'm thinking about just taking December off because it's, it's always more of an awkward conversation when we do it via Skype or whatever. Um, and I'm just, I'm looking forward to being able to do them in person again. And I'm not saying I won't do any more because I'm, I know I'm going to do some more over the internet, but, um, you know, just, I, I think this, this winter, I mean, uh, December is a, a busy month for everybody anyway, even though everybody probably should be a little less busy this year than normal. <laughs> so that's another good reason. Just kind of take the month off. Yeah. I think everybody is kind of in that mind frame of, um, getting ready for next year. Like we want to, where everybody's like, all right, let's just get December over with. Let's gear up for 2021. Let's uh, get all our ducks in a row and to see if we can get anything booked and just keep watching for uh, updates on any vaccine news or anything like that. And, you know, I was supposed to have a couple of outdoor shows with uh, one of the singers I play with, and they're just calling it quits for the year. Yeah. And I don't blame them. I'm not mad at them for it, especially with cases going up the way they are. I think a lot of people will, and I think a lot of people that, that are thinking about outdoor shows in December are forgetting about how cold it can actually get around here. Because, I mean, it's, we, exactly. you know, we, we generally do have mild winters, but when it gets cold, it can still get really cold. And it's not fun to be outside when it's really cold. So I think a lot of outdoor no. shows will, will end up not happening this, this winter. It's slow enough, even without a pandemic, mm-hmm. for like live music anyway. Yeah, that's why one thing I was going to say earlier was, you know, because you talked about how we've there's been a lot of great releases this year, but we haven't been able to see these bands. You know, I only saw like I think maybe three shows this year at all, and that was because there's not as many shows in the winter, and you don't go to as many shows in the winter because it's cold. And then by the time it started to get warm and to where you can go out to shows, it's like all of a sudden we can't go out anymore. So yeah, I saw like um, just a handful of shows this, this year alone, and that sucks. Man, I'm trying to think of like any like. Famous touring bands that I saw at all this year. I can't think I, outside of like folks that I know or like uh, local bands or anything like that. I don't think I went to any like big shows this year at all. Yeah, I didn't go to any big shows. Uh, we we did get to play with the, the Cavemen. They were from New Zealand. Uh, we played with them at the Milestone, so that was kind of cool. But you know, I didn't see. I had tickets to go see Megadeth, and I had tickets to go see uh, White Snake and Sammy Hagar, and uh, of course, neither one of those shows. Uh... <laughs> Both of those shows would have been bad as hell, too. <laughs> oh, dude, how about the biggest bummer of the year? Man, Eddie Van Halen. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that killed that me. That bummed me the hell. Did you go see, uh, did you see Van Halen live at all? Yeah, I got to see him three times. Twice with Sammy Hagar on uh, the um, OU812 tour, and then again on the Four Unlawful Car- Carnal Knowledge tour. And then um, I saw with David Lee Roth on the, the reunion in 2007 i think how was that it was really good um they sounded really good now dave's voice wasn't that great but it was still fun and uh they sounded really good like eddie sounded amazing and and the the funny thing about that show is like our tickets they were they cost 75 bucks but we were sitting like two rows from the very top of the coliseum we were sitting two rows and it sounded like shit up there but about <laughs> a few songs into it, I went down. I used to, I used to smoke. I don't smoke anymore. But I went down to the smoking area, and I ran into this girl, and I don't even I don't don't know her name to this day. Me and her just started talking, and then we when we went back in. I said, "Hey, let's go see if we can go see it down here." So we went. We were down on the second level. We went in, and we just walked right in and just stood there. Nobody ran us off, and it watched the rest of the show from down there. It sounded so damn good. Oh yeah. Um, I did that at a cheap. I did that at a cheap trick show once at a theater show in Knoxville. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, if you just act like you know what you're doing, they don't stop you. 
Now, man, Eddie Van Halen was one of my, like I mentioned earlier, one of my big heroes. And, of course, I can't play like him at all, but mm -hmm. his music always stuck with me. Like him and Neil Peart, from, uh, or Peart, as yeah. you're supposed to pronounce it, uh, from Rush were just two big ones for me. And, in my opinion, two big losses for rock and roll in general because the both, both of those guys are at, were both at the loftiest, you know, spot for like aspiring musicians yeah. you know neil peart was the best drummer of all time eddie van halen best guitar player of all time everybody wants to play like those two on their respective instruments and now where are those guys yeah where are the uh the, those uh follow-up versions of those guys you got your imitators for both of those and things like that but you know everybody that is in a famous band that you know plays drums like that or plays guitar like that holds neil peart and eddie van halen up to those stand as the standard yeah. and there's no new guy that has that standard really if you know to me that has been that famous or been that impactful as far as i can tell i don't get like super emotional over celebrity deaths too often but eddie van halen was one that i definitely shed a few tears over um because he was he was very influential to me as a kid and I, I still to this day love his music um i don't like i don't like all of it but I, you know i like a, a nice big chunk of it uh, you don't like uh the balance album or the uh <laughs> well, i'll be honest i never really gave those albums too much of a chance you know i heard this the singles and i was like eh, no. <laughs> i know but now I, I love <laughs> I, I love van hagar i, I like uh well I, I like 5150 and i like four unlawful carnal knowledge oh yeah one two is it's 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 okay it's not that great yeah um I love Sammy Hagar just in general, yeah. and everybody shits on him, but the dude is like 70-whatever and can still sing his ass off. Oh, yeah. And he's like his solo stuff was good. I mean, it's some of it's hokey, some of it's cheesy, some of it's pretty bad, but the good stuff is really fucking good. <laughs> Did you ever uh, check out Chicken Foot when that was a thing? I listened to some of it. You know, it's it's all right. It's pretty shreddy. It was one of those where it's like it sounded like they had fun in the room when they were recording yeah. it. and. To me, that was that was enough. I mean, that was like one of those deals where it's like, oh, okay, they're they're shredding it, they're playing their instruments really well, and you know they're gelling. It's like a bunch of you know guys that are really good at their instruments, you know, just just gelling, and that's kind of fun to listen to. Yeah, <laughs> it's about like the those first two Van Halen records, but you know, they were they were setting trends when they were doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still listening to Van Halen uh, months later after all that's happened because that was like me and my best friend's band. That. Mm -hmm. Van Halen and Rush were our bands when we were uh, in high school, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I had a a handful of what you call my bands, and Van Halen was definitely one of them. Van Halen, The Doors, Led Zeppelin, and uh, hell yeah, that was. But Van Halen was 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 kind of the big one. Like for the longest time, that was my favorite band when I was a kid. If you ask me who my favorite band was, Van Halen, followed quickly by Led Zeppelin, Doors, Jimi Hendrix, and I was into all that kind of stuff when I was a teenager before I started really getting into punk rock, but. It was. It was always Van Halen was like the number one. I would always say that first. And I don't know anybody really. Like all the diehard Van Halen fans that I know never really aspired to play like him with the two finger tapping or mm -hmm. anything like that. But again, that just music. That music just sticks with you. Yeah. There's just a vibe to it, and of course, you can like everybody blames them for the eight for the middle era and all that. But I don't know that there's just a rawness. Those first records that just i don't know it doesn't sound like hair metal to me yeah <laughs> you talked about how like you know no everybody loves van halen but doesn't really try to play like him all the guys that can play like van halen they just ended up playing in cover bands that's all they can do yep there's there's those mm -hmm. guys the guys i was talking about earlier that can play anything you want them to play but 
put them in a room with the band and they really can't play unless they're playing somebody else's songs. Then they can play it. <laughs> I listened to the first single. I saw that it came out the other day, but I just haven't kind of really put it on. Sounds yet. like old days. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say I listened to the, the single and it was like exactly what I expected. Um, I, I I do plan on probably buying that one. That's probably when I'll grab on vinyl. It's solid. I mean, sounds yeah. like old ACDC, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's the good thing about ACDC is if they put out a record, you know it's going to be good because you know it's going to sound like ACDC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like them and uh, Motorhead, and uh, not too many bands kind of uh, have that, you know, uh, you know that formula that works every time. And some people will say that, you know, that, that makes them a shitty band because they just write the same album over and over again. But that's not true. They don't. It's just always variations on their sound. They don't really deviate from their sound. And there's nothing wrong with that because you can put out 12 albums of sounding like the same band, and each one of those albums would be a damn good album. And I feel like that's kind of where we are right now with uh, the fill-ins. Like, we've kind of found our uh, sound, and we're trying to Im- expand and improve on it. Like, we have mm-hmm. our vibe, but what can we uh, do to add to it? Like, we're all record-making nerds and things like that, but I like that we have a core sound that we can, you know, build upon, like an ACDC or a Motorhead, but it's just our thing. You know, it sounds like the fill-ins. I don't know that we have that thing for us, although I think every one of our songs sounds like a Van Huskins song. I don't think... We have a real sound, and we talk about this a lot. How we feel like we can play whatever we want to play, and Ben Ben will say that when I'll say something about, no, nah, that's not gonna work for Van Huskins. And I'll be able, no, we we've got to have a certain sound. We can't play just anything. Like we we can do reggae, but we can't do a reggae song. We've got to do it <laughs> within the within the confines of a Van Huskins song. So we're, we're, By the we got hell we have not. A, <laughs> we've we've got a sound, I guess, but <laughs> I, I just can't quite put my finger on it. I, I still feel like we've got a little bit of room to play around with what we want to do in a rock and roll setting for sure. Yeah, you're right. If uh, say the Felons wanted to do an uh, an outlaw country record, uh, I mean we could do that with the Felons, but if we released it under a Felons name, it would be very. Uh, it would be very confusing, but then we'd be, get accused of ripping off the Super Suckers or something. Like I was going to say <laughs> the Super Suckers did it, and that was fucking that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And they already had elements of, of country in their 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 music. I mean, but then they incorporated even more going forward. Exactly, and I love the country stuff they put out, and that's that's one reason why we started the Felons is uh, being in between drummers. Uh, we wanted out tonight, wanted to keep playing music, and uh, that's kind of. What started the whole path of me wanting to play guitar professionally is, uh, you know, just getting out and playing felon sets and 
learn how to play country rock proper. And you've done like open mic nights as well too before just playing by yourself, correct? Yeah, I used to a couple years ago. Um, I was uh, in between houses, and uh, when I finally uh, got a place to stay in, uh, the first few weeks I was just staying by myself, and uh, I would go to Tommy's Pub uh, more often than not for those open mics. It would be and uh, get to know Jamie real well and a few of the singers over there, and uh, start learning how to sing in front of an audience. And there was a whole lot of outlaw country kind of songs that I grew up listening to. And that's where the uh, bug to start singing came up. And now I'm working really hard on trying to get better at that. Again, that was another reason I wanted to uh, record, uh, get in the studio with these two songs is to improve my skills as a singer. Still working on it, but it's a whole other, It's like anything else. It's just a whole other, uh, whole other animal. Now, now, the other song that you recorded, is it sort of in the same vein, uh, like a power pop song, or is it a little bit different? Yeah, uh, power. It's it's definitely in that uh, in that box. We treated it like a Tom Petty song. We put in some uh, twelve string parts on it and things like that. <laughs> One part I would I want to tell the story about the recording process of that particular tune. I wanted to put a slide solo on it, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't think about the idea of putting a slide on it until like the morning of going to record. And as we're figuring it out, we're tracking the parts for it. And I said I wanted to try to do it. And I wasn't nailing it at all. I was just kind of, you know, figuring out, you know, on the fly or whatever. And everybody's like, well, that's not it. What the fuck are you trying to do? I'm like, I'm trying to figure it out. And then the, and I'm playing it. And normally for guitar players, if you're playing slide, you want to play open tunings. And I don't play slide and open tunings because I'm a stubborn asshole like that. (laughs) And the uh, engineer takes the guitar and uh, he goes, oh, let me show you this trick that uh, Jimmy Page used to do. And he said, uh, he tunes one of the strings down uh, a whole step, and then all of a sudden, he's just playing fucking Dwayne Allman slide all <laughs> over the goddamn thing. And yeah. all three of us are just watching him go like, you fucking cut the solo then. <laughs> <laughs> did he cut the solo? <laughs> he did. Yeah, he wound up cutting the solo. We're all sitting there going yeah. like, I can't do anything better than that. You're the, you're <laughs> killing it. And it's uh, me, uh, you know, Tuck from Biters, who's got his Joan Jet haircut, me with my hair, Alex... Uh, all with his, uh, you know, looking like rock star. He does. The engineer yeah. looks like uh, he should. Be, he looks kind of like um, uh, what's the engineer that uh, he looks like? Steve Albini. He looks kind of like okay. Steve Albini, yeah. if you know who that is. Yeah. You know, short hair, glasses, and all that, ripping it like Dwayne Allman. So that's just kind of hilarious. But he nails it, and that's the solo that we use on the uh, track that's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a, a fun process too, and you know, everybody had a whole lot of fun making this album, including you know, uh, Tuck and the engineer. And we were all basically strangers leading up to it, and we kind of left being friends because we were all uh, really happy with the product, and we all enjoyed working with each other. And that's part of, and that's the uh, big thing with studio work is you know the right environment, and things like yeah. that too, because it can go sideways quick depending on who you're working with. Everybody involved in that whole experience has had some horror stories, yeah, for sure over the years that we kind of you know lamented over the course of that weekend. <laughs> I don't think we have we have a, we don't have a whole lot of uh, professional recording experience, but we don't have really any horror stories. I don't think from many of our recording sessions. Uh, most of the time, we, in our previous bands, we would mostly record with our, our friends would record us, and it would be like on a four right. track or or an eight track or something. It, it would sound like it was recorded on a four track or an eight track. But we, we've been pretty lucky when we went to the studio that we've always had a, a good experience. I mean, that's just gonna ha- the longer you do stuff like that, that's just gonna come up and uh mm-hmm. i mean i learned a whole lot from it too it's to keep 
kids, boys and girls, keep your guitars intonated before you go into the fucking studio. <laughs> <laughs> so you lost me there. I, I, I don't know what that is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, that's something I should probably think about next time I go to the studio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always put in new strings. And uh, if you're uh, getting your guitars intonated or trying to get them set up before going to record, uh, take it to a proper luthier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can't do it yourself. <laughs> I've tried to do it myself. Like I had a, we did. A, I mentioned doing a twelve-string parts for it. I tried to do the whole setup myself with the the twelve-string Rickenbacker that I have, and yeah. that sucked. <laughs> yeah, I've tried it with my like basses. It's a little bit easier with a bass, but I I still don't. I still probably need to have mine professionally worked on before I go to the studio again. Yeah, bass bass string changes. I can do that in my sleep, but as far as intonation, I got to have that done by somebody. I can hear gearheads just yelling at me right now, but it is what it is, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I can always use the excuse that I play punk rock, so <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Say, <laughs> like, I'm a hick from Nutbush, Tennessee. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> so now that you and Alex aren't tied down to jobs, are there any uh, thoughts about maybe doing a tour in the future? I'd like to. I would love yeah. to. And with uh, COVID laws uh, lifting up and things like that, I would love to. Do, I would love nothing more than to just get out of Charlotte for a year and just tour. I've been in Charlotte yeah. for a year. I got to get out some. <laughs> <laughs> well, year-long tour. Uh, you're thinking about being like Metallica already. So <laughs> I'm thinking like you know uh, three weeks. <laughs> Even if it's just for like just 2021, just to like tour the country with the fill-ins. Even if it's just me and Alex doing fill-in set sets yeah. across the country that'd be the shit i'd love i'd love to tour one of these days and i think i'm going to try to do it but it's it's going to be probably a couple of years before i can but that, that's my that's my big goal if i can do that if i can put out a record on, on vinyl I mean, i've got a seven inch that i put out in the past but um if i could if van huskins can put out a record and i can tour whether it's with van huskins or with somebody else those are my two big goals of course, you don't want to go out there and lose your ass either so yeah yeah and the hard part of that is to make it work and and uh, make all the logistics, you know, pan out. And you got to make everybody's schedule, you know. It's all a balance. We'll figure it out, though. I'm pretty I'm pretty confident on uh, good things happening in 2021. Yeah. I made a lot of, uh, when, when lockdown happened, I'm not making any more bold predictions as to what's going to happen. And I'm not going to hold my breath for anything. Because when this whole thing first started, my whole thing was was something along the lines of, oh, this will be done within a couple of months. It'll just be that weird thing that happened uh, <laughs> for <Yeah. laughs> a few weeks or whatever. So I'm done making bold predictions. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of people were, were that way, felt that way, that it was going to be something that would blow over in a couple of months. I think there's still some people that feel that way. <laughs> but um, I, I think a lot of people thought, you know, by the fall we could be able to get back to it. And I, the whole time I was like, I don't know, you know, sicknesses seem to be worse in the winter, so let's let's not – get too far ahead of ourselves but i do think 2021 at some point it's probably not going to be until march or april at some point next year we'll start to get back to doing these things again i'm thinking that's what's going to happen too and i'm hoping to uh have like some more studio gigs lined up or have like new films recordings or something to release in time for march or april whenever we can uh, get out on the road again yeah hell i'm kind of thinking uh, the whole business model is going to change Quite honestly, probably so. Um, I know uh, Live Nation and all these uh, touring companies are taking such a hit that they're going to have to uh, up their game, and it might be a combination of what's been going on this year with the uh, live streaming, but with an audience. 
but yeah. I'm no expert on that thing. And uh, everybody I've talked to that's in the biz as far as putting online live events doesn't have a clue either. So we'll see what happens. I'd like to see things change for the better, um, but I have a feeling it's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, everybody's going to be making their money back. Like uh, the Damned are getting back with the original lineup for some select dates in uh, Europe this year, and I read that as, oh, we lost our asses this year. Let's get the original lineup back and make all the money. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's kind of the way I see it. Is it's, When I say that I, I, I'd like to see it be better, I, I don't expect it. It's that I expect everything's going to be more expensive on the other side of this. Had a hard time going to go see your favorite band live as it is, and now all of a sudden you're going to have to pay $50 more to go see them or whatever it is. You thought that Rage Against the Machine tour that was plotted (laughs) out for this year was going to be expensive enough. You ain't ready yet. And then I heard all these things about like how you would get this, you'd have to have a, a test within a certain amount of days before going to a concert and all this real convoluted stuff that I'm like, wait a minute, this is just oh, yeah. a little too weird for me now. <laughs> you got to bring, I've heard things about, you got to bring paperwork from the doctor's office and things yeah. like that. No, no. <laughs> I do like the idea of like just having just a quick, you know, temperature check before you yeah. get in. I mean, restaurants are already doing that and yeah. that's, that's nothing. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind stuff like that, but it starts getting a little bit. That's when I start going, man. I'm glad I play punk rock, so I can just keep playing these little bars and clubs that I play. I don't have to worry about. I mean, you know, I'd love to go see some big bands in the future, but I I can also do without that. I can just go see my buddies play. Exactly. I wasn't going to any stadium shows or anything like that before all this, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I do hope that maybe next year I can see Megadeth and. Because I think that one's rescheduled. Now, the, the White Snake, Sammy Hagar, I don't know if it's rescheduled or canceled or what, but I would still love to see White Snake and Sammy Hagar too. But uh, if, if it comes around and, and, and things like that become way too expensive, I just won't be doing that stuff anymore. I hope ACDC does, especially with this new record coming out, because I still have yet to see them live. And they, they were always one of my favorite bands growing up, and I have yet to see them live. Yeah, I saw them once on. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was, it was 2000, 2000. I think it was, it was 2000. Yeah, 2000 was when I saw them. And uh, yeah, they were damn good then. So I'd love to see them again. I just got to get that experience, you know, at least once. I saw uh, yeah. I saw, I saw Kiss last year just to get the experience. I knew it was like, you know, it's the Vegas show and all that. But you got to go see them at least once. Yeah. I saw Kiss, Kiss and ACDC both in 2000. That was the time, and I've been fans of them for, for years. That was the first time I got to see either one of them and the last time I saw either one of them. That's a hell of a bill. <laughs> well, well, it was, it was two separate shows, but that, that was, oh, okay. that, that was, that was the year that I saw both, finally saw both of those bands. Gotcha. Now I've, I've seen, uh, that's, that's another thing I've been talking about with folks is, uh, what's on your bucket list now that there hasn't been a, a year of, you know, shows to go to. Like, oh, well, yeah. What what's going to be worth your dime now? Like who's on your? Uh, there's everybody's got a list now. Like I've been lucky enough to where I've seen a lot of my favorite bands over the years, and there's still plenty that I haven't seen. Like 
saying ACDC is at the top of my list now. Mm-hmm. After all this, what's on yours? That's, that's a pretty good question because I've seen just about everybody I've wanted to see. Um, I, I thought about somebody recently, though, because I finally saw ZZ Top last year. That was one that I really wanted to see. Love ZZ Top. There was somebody I thought about recently. I, of course, Led Zeppelin's probably never going to happen. You know, um, no. Robert I don't want, just, I don't, Robert Plant has no interest in it, <laughs> and I don't blame him. Yeah, but. I don't. Bl- I don't either. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see a half-assed Led Zeppelin. You know, <laughs> I think it'd still be good. Um, I think because I think they're all still good musicians, and John Bon. I mean, uh, Jason Bonham can play just like his dad. But I just don't think it's going to happen. That that would probably be my one. Oh, well, the, I'd, I'd like to see the Stones, but I, I can't. Just I, I can't see myself being able to afford to see the Stones. And I don't think they'd be that good these days. I can't justify that ticket price. Yeah, I don't think they'd be. It's as like good sure these they days. can play and, and everything. That's just the as much as I love the Rolling Stones. I mean, they're a bar band at the end of the day, playing you know soccer arenas. It's like mm-hmm. if I'm going to go see you know a blues band, a bit a glorified blues band, I'll go see it at a fuck at a you know the pub down the road. You know, sure it's the Rolling Stones and they're all one of my all time favorite bands, but again, I can't justify that ticket price. That's me, and I, that's why every time I think about something like this, because like I think about Led Zeppelin, I'm like, yeah, but if they played, I couldn't go, I couldn't afford to see them play. <laughs> so, um, and it's not, and, and you're not going to get, you know, 1970 Robert Plant either. I would love to see uh, solo Robert Plant though. One do uh, do one of his, uh, you know, Middle Eastern music kind of, you know, solo solo shows. I think that would yeah. be neat. Well, see now, I, that's what I was actually getting ready to say. Was see, I've I've seen a lot of concerts in, in my years, and I've seen Robert Plant before. Um, I think I've seen him twice, but I, I'm not sure if I'm making that up or not. But I, I saw because I, I saw him. Cheap Trick opened up for him on the Now and Zen tour back in 1989, oh, wow. I think, sometime around there. Um, and he was really good. And that was when he was starting to experiment with that kind of stuff. But his music was still kind of rock sounding. But um, yeah, he started. I, 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 I like to throw him up. again these days because I know he still does really cool stuff. I had a buddy of mine went and saw him with the Pixies. Like the Pixies, or Robert Plant opened up for the Pixies, and I'm sitting there going like, oh, wow. That doesn't make sense, but it kind of does at the same time. And I really like the Pixies, too. Yeah, yeah. They're on my list, too. Doolittle is one of my favorite albums. Yeah, I got to see them one time, but they opened up for U2. So, um, and where I was sitting, it was kind of like the Van Halen thing. We were up in the nosebleed seats. And U2, at that time, it was the Octoon Baby Tour. And they had this huge stage set. Was, you know, before that, U2 was like the, the anti-rock band. I mean, they were, they were, or anti-rock stars. They were, they were big, but they just went out there. They played their music. It was all earnest and everything and all, you know, austere sets and everything. But then for Octoon Baby, they came out with like these, this wall of TVs and then they had cars hanging from the ceiling and the cars were hanging up in just the place where I heard the Pixies play. But I couldn't really see the Pixies play, <laughs> oh, and that kind of sucked. <laughs> people YouTube's shit on those... YouTube all the time. All the That's time. what they I was going to say. They were my brother's favorite. Uh, one of my brother's favorite bands growing up, and he learned how to play uh, bass uh, to a lot of their songs. And you can say all what you want about that band and everything, but the Edge, the guitar player, is innovative. I think he's mm. innovative. Yeah, and they're a good band. I don't. I don't really get into them like I did when I was younger. And I think some of their music's really pretty boring these days, but you know they're they're a good band and they deserve everything that they that they've gotten. You know, nobody else sounds like them. No, yeah, exactly. I always I can't fault a band for having their own sound, even if I don't care for it or not. 
And just because Bono became kind of douchey towards, you know, the later, well, around the time Octoon Baby came out, you can't really take away the fact that, that they were an extremely important band, too. Absolutely. Even in the early 2000s, they had some, you know, flat-out rockers. Like, yeah, full-on, I mean, you know, just distorted, you know, just fun rockers. Yeah, they, they. I still, like, as much as I say that some of their stuff bores me, they have some stuff that's really good. And, and like, even that Octoon Baby album was a really good album. You know, it had some cool, it had some really overplayed stuff, some stuff that I could just never hear again. But when that album came out, those songs were fucking bad as hell. I have to go check that album again. I feel like we've uh, been apologists for all, like, the the bands that everybody shits on. Yeah. <laughs> Grateful Dead, I'm, U2, Sammy I'm Hagar. I'm always that way, though. I, I really am. I, I'm, a, I'm just, I love music. And I can find some good in just about anything. You know, I, I think Miley Cyrus is a, is a great singer. I don't really care for most of her music, but I think she gets shit on a lot and she doesn't deserve all the hate she gets. But, um, I, I'm, I'm that way. I, I've always been an apologist for stuff like that. Cause I think that as long as people are playing what they want to play and doing the things that they want to do, it's like somebody said on my podcast one time, something about Beyonce not having integrity. And I'm like, well, just cause we don't think she has integrity doesn't mean she doesn't have integrity. I, I just think that, that there's good to be found in a lot of stuff and people shit on music way too much when it's like, they're creating something. They're being creative. You shouldn't shit on that. Let people like what they want to like. I always want to tell people, oh, yeah? Well, how's your band doing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I hate Nickelback. <laughs> I hate I, I hate Smash Mouth, but, you know, they're out there doing the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like they're out there making a living, and, uh, you know, they're living off of their hits, and you can't fault them for it. I don't like like, yeah, two examples of bands I don't listen to at all either, but and I'm not really you know, gonna, I'm not going to shit on them. I'm not going to shit on them, but I'm not really going to apologize for them. But at the same time, I'm going to be like, yeah, people no. like them. People like them, so they, they've got some kind of value. They give somebody happiness. Hell, people might not like our shit, but that yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> There's plenty of people that think the music I listen to just sounds like noise. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Try to hang around, hanging around uh, me by myself and putting up with my Frank Zappa and Tom Waits bullshit for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of music that's very specifically for me, too, that everybody hates. <laughs> yeah. I've got some of that stuff, too. Eric, Eric always makes fun of me and says I got a shitty taste in music. I'm like, dude, I just like more stuff than you like. That doesn't make it shitty. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait till I get into my uh, jazz fusion phase, whenever that might be. <laughs> <laughs>
about two hours of stuff recorded, and I think I've got a good bit. Um, we've pretty much covered everything I wrote down. Uh, anything else that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about, or anything else you want to say about the single, or just Man. people, just tell people how they can find it. I know you've already said Spotify, Apple, everything, but it's going to be under Cap Nun, C A P N, and second name N U N N U N N. Yes, sir. Check it out on Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff, and uh, check out all the fill-ins tunes while you're at it, along with all the Van Huskins tunes and. Uh, Hobo Wolfman is put is helping uh, putting it out too, and uh, definitely go to HoboWolfmanRecords.com to uh, check out all the cool shit they have on their website as well. Yeah, check out the podcast, including something vinyl. good, something good for you. Check out something their, good for you, and then then find their Patreon and, and find our, all their other podcasts. <laughs> yep, yes, we have a Patreon, something good for you at Patreon. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Jimmy the Weed. I have all my links to all that stuff in my bio. If you're ever so curious to uh check out that huge tree of things of uh i think about it now it's like holy shit (laughs) (laughs) of all the things i've uh accumulated over the years here but yeah definitely uh check out all that stuff on spotify and uh and uh website villains.com hobo wolfman records.com and uh we'll keep putting out more content and uh something good for you patreon we got a it's just a never end, it's a never ending cycle of uh, <laughs> entertainment. This is what we do. We're entertainers, so we're exactly. gonna continue to entertain. Yeah, and uh, as and long as people continue to support folks like you and me, we're gonna keep doing it. Hell yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, honestly, I'll, I'll say I'm probably gonna keep doing it whether people support support me or not. I just it's something I do. I create. I want to make things. I want to do things and and give people something to listen to. Hell yeah, that's the way to do it, brother. Well, cool. I, I really appreciate this. And like I said, I'm going to, you're going to put this out next Friday, right? Uh, yes, sir. So what I'll do is I'll do it kind of like. A- this has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt media production. One of the students I was teaching, uh, not too, I guess it was last week, whatever, uh, I come into the room uh, where he's, uh, you know, playing his guitar and he's doing the two finger tapping Van Halen kind of style, and I'm sitting there going like, "All right, well, what can I teach this kid?" <laughs> and I ask him, uh, "Well, can you play?" Uh, and I ask him, "Well, can you can you play the blues or anything like that, or can you play rhythm?" I'm like, and he, and he has that look on his face like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Oh, okay, well, you're about to learn learn a few things." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they can play lead all day long, but they have no idea about rhythm. Yeah, <laughs> and that's important. That's super important. To me, that's the most important. Yeah. You can play like Angus Young all day all day long, but if you don't have a Malcolm Young or these days a Stevie Young behind you, it doesn't sound doesn't have as much meat to it.